Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Chris and Rod here with another episode of Should I Play That? What's going on, Rod, man? What's go- how, you, how you doing? It's another week. It's another week, another shining day. Well, maybe not shining at the time we're recording this, but it is a shining day for the podcast of episode 12. So we are like, we're, we're going pretty, pretty deep on the double digits here. So really, really proud of us. <laughs> Happy about that. Um, but you know what I, who, what I am even more excited for is our guest today, actually. Chris, I've been, I've been talking about this for a few days now. Um, yes. Yeah, we've been really excited. <laughs> I've been really excited. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, roll out the red carpet for him. So we have Game Master Herb. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, y'all. Pretty good here. Um, I make, uh, for those of you who don't know, I make arcades happen here in Atlanta at various bars and pop-up events. I'm excited to be here. Episode 12 is awesome. I, uh, I used to, I used to have a podcast with my ex and, you know, we got maybe like 200 deep or something. And then, you know, things changed, but like, I had a lot of fun with it. It's, it's good to be on one. I'm glad to talk with y'all about games. I'm here. What's up? Man, that, that is insane. 200 deep. Teach us your ways. <laughs> I mean, it was his baby. And when we got together, I kind of, you know, we kind of just became like the hosts of it and our dynamic played really well. You know, it's, it's good to have like sort of, um, sort of someone who's like focused and on it and then someone who's sort of silly, you know, so I was always silly. <laughs> we, we've got to f- figure out, uh, which one of those we are, Chris. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was gonna say, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know which one I am. <laughs> yeah, no, it, you know, it helps to have a great dynamic and, and podcasting can be so much fun and it's, it's a great way to, uh, it's a great way as a listener to pass the time, especially during like a job, you know, where you don't need to listen to something. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the events that you run specifically? Sure. So every Monday with Controller Eyes at the Monday Night Garage is Press Start ATL. Um, and you can find all of these on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and then uh, on Tuesdays at the Georgia Beer Garden, I run a thing called Pint and Play ATL. And then Wednesday, uh, for three and a half years up until two weeks ago, I was doing Warp Zone Wednesdays at the Heretic, um, but we're about to change venues in a couple weeks, so I'm going to bring that one back. But that one's been going the longest. Um, and then also I was running an event called uh, Past the Sticks, which just ended last week, also um, over at Georgia State at the original Hot Dog Factory. All the students are, you know, on summer break now, so it's kind of like, all right, we'll come back in the fall, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, anywhere I can make an arcade happen, I'm happy to do it. Um, I've had a couple other pop-up events, and I like to work with DJs and artists and make, you know, comfortable, inclusive, cool spaces where you can game, you know, and come and have a good time and, and do other things, too, and enjoy yourself, you know. I am so glad someone like you is here in Atlanta doing this. Seriously. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely something that like over the years, people have been saying that, you know, they, there really isn't a gaming culture in Atlanta, but with, you know, what you're doing, you know, week after week, uh, like you're doing that. And then like these events are getting bigger and bigger, you know, uh, more and more people uh, yeah. are coming out. And like, especially with last week at the Monday night garage, um, that was just a ton of people. Like, oh, yeah. People. And, like, this venue is a lot bigger than the last past venues that Press Start has been at. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was insane. Um, I didn't, I had no idea how it was going to go. I knew 
all of our like regulars, all of our faithful were gonna come out, but it it we really I mean it turned it up. It was it was like a whole nother level. The space is great, the food was great, uh, uh sweet e uh sweet e's vittles was out there. Mm. Um, my buddy Ian cooking all this Caribbean fusion food. Um all the Monday night beer is amazing. Um, they have a freaking, you know, they have 20 something beers on tap and then they have like an actual water tap. So when you, when you get a little too faded and you're thirsty, <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, go to a cooler that's probably already run out of water and tip it over and all that. Like they, they're just, they're prepared. They're prepared for people to drink and to have a good time, you know? Nice. Nice. Oh man. I, I'm, I just want to go right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of, um, you know, it's funny. At the end of it, of it, it was uh, this past Monday. It was sort of mm-hmm. like we were like, "All right, everybody, you know, it's time." And everyone's like, "No!" <laughs> like, <laughs> like I had to like pry people off the games. Like I had to come and turn shit off. Like, sorry, y'all. Okay, see you next week. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave them wanting more, right? Yeah, that's always a good feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, so, um, so with that, we're gonna go. I guess we'll go ahead and start off with. Um, with our What You've Been Playing segment. So if this is the first time you've listened to the show, uh, we sort of like to kick back, start things off with what we've been, you know, playing over the past week. So, uh, Herb, what you been playing, man? <laughs> All right. So I stream on Twitch, uh, with my partners. I have, I have two husbands and, uh, we stream. It's on twitch.tv slash three bears gaming. And yes, that is with a Y because no shame. <laughs> um, and uh i play i mean i really play all kinds of stuff i'm usually at least at the very least playing something retro um i'm not really a speedrunner necessarily but i like to you know hone my my skills from a from when i was a kid and kind of kind of keep those things fresh because like the old school video game rules and the way it all works i feel like translate to games now mm-hmm. and it's like if you have that sort of like twitch reflex it just helps with all kinds of games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then every now and then, you know, like something like Cuphead drops and it's like, oh shit, this is like old school hard. Oh, yeah. You know, you still gotta, you, you still have to be on that level. You can't like, you know, all the games now have tutorials and everything, like, you can't, you can't let yourself slip, like. <laughs> yeah. Know? Absolutely not. Like, uh, Chris and I played through a good bit of Cuphead, maybe half of it. Yeah. Um, cool. and it was so much fun. I, I totally feel what you're saying about, especially yeah. about the old school difficulty. Like, yeah, I, it's like contra hard, that. you know? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's perfect. Contra hard. I love that. Like, that's yeah. exactly what it feels like. It brings that back, uh, with the aesthetic, with the actual difficulty. So good. Okay. So I have three games. Um, mm-hmm. One, uh, the first one is on the Switch, and it is also on PS4 and Xbox and Steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, uh, the new Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. Ooh, um, oh, okay. The original guy who made the first one, and oddly enough, Macaulay Culkin, like, Home Alone dude, mm-hmm. um, produced this game, made this game. Um, it is a roguelike game, if you've never played the original Toe Jam and Earl. It's co-op. It's all about, uh, these essentially, like, hip-hop, aliens from the Mm -hmm. 90s who get stranded on earth and you have to go find all your shit pieces but Mm -hmm. every time you play it it's different it's all randomized every time um yeah people can hop in and out online at random uh the music is kicking like it's it's just fun it's it's definitely one of the best co-op games i think that is out right now and it's like a love letter to the old game but if even if you never played the old game if you have a buddy on the couch like there's floor player co-op like it's random every time. It never gets old. It's a chill game. It's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. The original Toe Jam and Earl, that wasn't a roguelike, was it? 
It was. It was. It was. It, the oh, new one is, is almost exactly like the old one. Just everything is expanded. You know, new graphics, more stuff. Oh um, wow! But yeah, really yeah. Cool. Every time you play, uh, the levels are different, and you know, the whole thing is you, you're walking around Earth and you pick up presents, and all the presents are randomized, and there's like 60 different kinds. So it can be good stuff. It could be bad stuff. You could get wings. You could have rocket skates. You could, you know, throw tomatoes. You could find food. It just depends on like, you know. Uh, kind of like the, the, the throw of the dice. And that's, that's what I love about, you know, rogue games in general is it's like, it's, it's fresh every time you play. Ah, okay. See, I, I'm very ashamed to have, to admit this on the podcast, but I've What's only that? played the third one. Um, the one oh, on the Xbox. You yeah. played, you played Mission to Earth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, so, yeah. so the fourth one is, it, 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 appe- it looks like the first game, but it okay. combines elements from the second and the third as well. So, um, they took like the bonus game, threw it in there from, from the second one. They took, um, the fact that you can search all of the, uh, any, any bushes or plants you see anywhere, you can search and, and, you know, random things come out. It could be an enemy. It could be a good earthling. It could be presence. It's like, it's a game that it's, it's truly never the same twice ever. Mm-hmm. So, so is this a, it's not a remake. It's like a brand new game, right? It is. It is, it is technically part four, but you know, you can tell that it's like a love letter to the people who liked the first game because back on the Genesis, the first game came out, it did really well, people liked it, it was kind of a cult classic, and then the second game came out and there was all this pressure at the time to make like 2D side-scrolling, you know, mascot platformers, Sonic, Mario, all that stuff. So they they kind of forced the original uh, director to make it a 2D side-scrolling game instead of like a top-down roguelike adventure. Hmm. Um, so that kind of changed things, and I think with this fourth one, he wanted to kind of take it back to the original one. And um, it's it's honestly, I've already beaten it like 15 times. Every time you beat it, you <laughs> unlock stuff. Um, it's one of those games where like you can save at any point. There's no like penalty for anything. Love that. Um, it's permadeath, but you get four lives. Like they 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 give it to you. They want you to have fun. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those games you can just sit back on the couch and play, and you can, um, you know, at any time, you know, when you're playing with someone, when you walk away from each other, the screen splits. So you can just kind of go off and do your own thing, or you can work together, or you can work against each other. It's it's very up to you. Man, I love those kind of couch co-op experiences. Um, seriously, so you're Same. you're selling me on this really hard. Cool. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is a, it is twenty bucks on all platformers. I highly recommend it. Mm, okay, sweet. Um, okay, and then I'm playing on the PS4. Um, obviously, I played some Mortal Kombat 11. Mm. Uh, obviously, you know, any fighting game I'm usually down for. But what I've been playing recently is this game called Grip. Um, mm. It is a, a racing game that is almost like, if you remember back on PlayStation 1, there was a game called Roll Cage where you play as, like, cars that can flip over endlessly and keep driving. Um, okay. And so Grip is, like, sort of the spiritual successor to that. The graphics are amazing. It's four-player. There's online. Uh, there's a ton of levels. Mm-hmm. It's, like, ten bucks at GameStop. I, I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God. I, I feel like a genre that is really lacking these days in games mm-hmm. is, like, futuristic racers. Like, I'm like, Absolutely. Nintendo... Where the hell is F Zero? Where? <laughs> I want it like now. <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, when you say that, I always think of something like XGRA. Do you remember? Yeah, that? yeah, Extreme yeah. G, right? Or Wipeout? I'm like, where? 
where is this stuff? It's not really like it's not a thing like it used to be. But yeah. Grip is totally a throwback to that. Very fast futuristic racing. Um there's a button where you can like kind of hop off the ground and if you're near another wall, you just end up on that wall. So like oh, wow. all all the tracks are really mind bending. Everything is kind of like three sixty. Uh there's weapons, so it's you know, it feels like Mario Kart, but like, you know, a bit more mature than that. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and I like it a lot. Um I'm I'm a big fan of of racing games and definitely a racing game that's in sort of a an environment that like mm-hmm. can't exist on Earth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like oh yeah, for sure. Like I love Gran Turismo, I love Forza. Don't get me wrong, but those are like simulation racers, and sometimes right. I just want to like race on some level or in some vehicle that would just never happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You, no, I I totally feel you, dude. You're like two for two right now. You're selling me on this too. Like I'm okay. Cool. I, I am. I'm literally <laughs> trying to order this game. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the third game. Um, at all of my events, I have a mixture of all kinds of things. I mean, like, you can, it's a mixture of physical copies, physical hardware, real hardware, digital copies, and then modded stuff. So, you can play just about anything. Um, I'm a huge old school Sega fan, of course. Um, and, and really, I like all games, but the Dreamcast, I would say, is like my bread and butter. Like, the Dreamcast is like my system. That's, that's, oh that's gosh. like, I love it. I love it. So, this week, as far as retro games, um, I, 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 I sort of wrestled four dudes over last night to go and play Choo Choo Rocket with me. Oh, Yo, man. Throwback, right? magic, Dude. Magic words. <laughs> Choo Choo Rocket is like, it, it seems so simple. It looks weird when you don't know what's going on, but once you get it, it's yeah. like for the next like 40 minutes, we were like screaming at each other and laughing and like, it just gets so intense. It's like it's like very brutal multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I I love Choo Choo Rocket. I really. I think there was a there was a re-release on last gen. I know it was on Xbox for sure. Um, yeah. on 360. Um, and I I wish that we had like uh just it was on all platforms. Honestly. Yeah. I I that's one of those things where I'm a, I'm a big puzzle game fan too. <laughs> I love Tetris. I love Magical Drop. I love puzzle uh, uh Buster Move. All that. Um. But like, but like, Choo Choo Rocket is one of those things that I really wish would have caught on because it's so simple, but it's one of those games where they give you a level creator in it already. So like, you know, there's essentially endless possibilities to how many ways you can, you know, orient the map so that it's fun for four people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, they, the Dreamcast game was the very first online game on Dreamcast. Which was not necessarily the first online game in consoles, but it was like on the very first system that had a modem in it, that was their first online game. So that's, you know, it's kind of significant in that way. And I did not have a Dreamcast the day it came out or anything. I got one like maybe, you know, a year and a half or two years into it. So by that time, you know, I was, there was already other games online. There was Quake 3 Arena, there was Unreal Tournament, there was like Bomberman. So I was playing all that stuff, but... Mm -hmm. Future Rocket has always been a good multiplayer game, and it's just like, it's just insane. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very fast, it's very competitive, it's like, you know, half the time you're like trying to protect yourself, mm-hmm. and then you're also trying to kind of screw everybody at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you have to play both. It's like, it's, it's, it's wild. <laughs> See, I love, I love that it's, it's simple enough that you can get like everyone in the room to play it, or at least try it, but then oh, once, yeah. once you pick it up, 
that competitiveness comes out and everyone starts getting excited and everyone starts playing for real. So yeah, yeah, like I man, I who do we have to email to get this on like the PS4 to get it on the Switch? Yeah. You know, it'd be dope to be on the Switch. Oh, yeah, it's a perfect Switch game. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have to ask now, what is your absolute favorite Dreamcast game? Ever? Um, well, I mean, for, <laughs> for the, for the sheer impact of it, Shenmue is kind of incredible. Um, okay, okay. It's, it's, it's honestly, you know, of course it's a little rough to go back to now. It was one of the first games of that kind, and mm-hmm. it's influenced so many other games. It was also the most expensive video game to make ever up to mm-hmm. that point, mm-hmm. which is kind of like, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, they, he was, Yu Suzuki was like pulling in, you know, relatively what Rockstar considers normal now. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's huge. I think, I think he pushed the whole medium of video games forward. It was like, you know, now you can explore a whole world where people can talk to you. You can open up every drawer. You can, you know, play several different kinds of games in the same game instead of it just being one genre. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I would I would say that, but if we're talking like, you know, the Dreamcast is a huge arcade porting system. All of the all the fighters on it were arcade perfect. Everything was like on point. So I mean, I have to talk about Third Strike, right? Yeah, I was like, just about to say Third Strike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like it was like when that dropped, and for that matter, Soul Calibur. That when uh, when those ooh. dropped, and it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you can have I, we can play Soul Calibur at home. We can play Third Strike at our house. Like mm-hmm. it just, it was just like unprecedented at the time. You know, like yeah. like every other system had like a port that was kind of consoley, you know. And Dreamcast was just this big leap forward. Like like here's the next generation, boom. While yeah. everybody else still had PS1 or 64, anybody who got a Dreamcast like that first couple years, it was just like, oh my god, like this is the future now. Yeah, I was you saying, you were you were living in the future if you had a Dreamcast. Yeah. 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 I was fortunate enough to to have one very very early. Um, I I had one and had a um and got Sonic Adventure and and NFL 2K nice. as my as my first games. And I was in love with both of those games at, at the time. Um, the NFL 2K, I would still argue, is a very good series, and I wish oh, that yeah. they continue. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, you know, Sega really kind of went out on their own there, um, mm-hmm. which I felt was kind of typical about them. Like for better or worse, Sega always did this thing where they're like, you know what, whatever y'all doing, that's cute. We're gonna do this, and we're gonna bring you the best tech and the cutting edge innovation and all that stuff. They always like pushed everything forward. Whether it was financially smart or not. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know? And and I think they had a game. There was one game I, I would say out of all of the other games, Herb. I think you make great points, and I love I love the games that you chose. Uh, for 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 me, it was the the one game I feel like encapsulated the identity of the Dreamcast was Jet Grind Radio. Yes, um, that, it's yeah. it's one of my favorite video games ever, top five easily. Um, yeah. and it had just this, just immaculate, like, style, the music, yeah. the, the, just the gameplay felt like, like, super tight. Like, I loved everything about that game. And to me, it represents, like, what Sega was trying to do with that console at the time. For sure. Um, I would agree with that. They, um, they always had this way of pushing boundaries and saying, like, you know, we realize that video games are obviously going to be for children at some point or another at the base level, but 
what about the teens? What about people in their twenties? What about people in their thirties? Like, 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 how can we expand the format and, and how, what, what, what do you see as video games? Right. You know, and Jet, yeah, yeah Jack Ryan Radio, it was like, it was like, that's kind of like what got me into graffiti. And for that matter, yeah. like, you know, I, I wouldn't say skateboarding because Tony Hawk got me into skateboarding, but I mean, that just like furthered the line of like, Hey, if you have like a cool thing with wheels on it, you can go outside and be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I and love that. You gotta have you a know, dope soundtrack behind it too. Yeah. No, no. The soundtrack <laughs> is incredible. Um, and, uh, I think also it's like one of those games where even now, because of the style of animation and the style of art that they chose, which is cell shaded, it still looks, it's never not going to look good. Because exactly. It's it, it's exactly made for the console it was put on. One mm-hmm. and two, it has such a unique style that you're not going to look back at it like you know when we look back at original Resident Evil or like Metal Gear Solid. Those games are, are masterpieces, but yeah. like they look you know shoddy and blocky and jaggy now because they were trying to look realistic then. And Jet Set Radio is kind of like it's never gonna look old, really. It, it's just gonna look right, good man. forever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, and it it's was timeless. It, it yeah. is timeless. And it, 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 we're going to get into this like a little bit later, but I, I one thing, I, another good thing about Jack Mine Radio that really struck me at the time, especially at such a young age when, when I was able to play that game is that it had not one, not two, but three black characters. And I was just shocked. That's like, very like, true. like that it was even, happening at the time um and i loved it you know i wasn't seeing or playing things with people that looked like like me um and so this game with with all of its awesome style and substance like it it just it spoke to me (laughs) in a way i really appreciated yeah yeah oh chris i I didn't mean to leave you out man what's your favorite dreamcast game See, you guys dropped like really good gems (laughs) like (laughs) really good games but like if i want to say like go back and like at the time, what was my favorite uh, Dreamcast games? I definitely have to shout out the Sonic Adventure games. Sure. They, those are classics. Granted, now going back, you know, it's a little rough to go back and replay them. Sure. But at the time, like, you know, who would have who would have thought that Sonic would have worked in the 3D uh, gaming sphere? Like, yeah. we're we're so used to him being 2D. So him jumping over to 3D and just being like an open world game was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and the thing is like Sega didn't really because of the big kind of like debate between Sega of America and Sega of Japan for so long, they didn't really drop of any major Sonic title on the Saturn. And so there was like this big gap between like Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic 3D Blast and then Sonic Adventure. Like there was just this big gap and it was like it was kind of like you know, if you don't have your main character on your console, you know, that that's, I think, where they kind of started to slip. So when Dreamcast came around and Sonic Adventure dropped, it was like, holy shit, these graphics yeah. look amazing. This game is fast as fuck. Like, this this was like, you know, when, when I think it's the level, I think it's Speed Highway, when you get to run down the side of the skyscraper, that was like, whoa, that that was like, that that was the same, in, in, in some, however miraculous way that they pulled it off, it gave me the same feeling playing Sonic Adventure versus something like Mario Sunshine or or what have you like like well that wasn't out yet but like I'm just saying versus other platformers of the time Sonic Adventure was like 
what Sonic 1 was when that dropped. It was like, so this is kind of like a game I played before, except it's way faster and the scale of it was just larger. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I mean, I remember the very first time, I, you know, in Emerald Coast, I think it, the very first level is, yep. and you're running on the boardwalk and the whale's chasing you. Like, I remember yeah. being awestruck by that at the time. Yeah. Like, wow, this is actually happening in my video game right now. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think um, a lot of, don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of amazing games that are coming out right now. Um, but I think that something that's sort of missing in a way, um, especially in major titles, maybe in indie titles for sure, but mm-hmm. it's it's like the element of fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just because my character can use magic or ride a crazy vehicle, I mean, that's cool, but like kind of the reason why I gravitated towards video games as a kid was that things happen in it that aren't going to happen in real life. And I'm not just talking about all the cliche things you've already seen before, but like, right. yeah, a whale chasing you down a boardwalk, like that doesn't happen. Like that's not <laughs> happened before. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And, or, or like, you know, even in, let's go back to Genesis, like in, in the first Shinobi, you know, the bosses literally like unlicensed were Batman and Spider-Man and Godzilla. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, there was just always this level of like extra that I think Sega always put forward, um, and that's why I've always been a big fan. Uh, it's just, it's just like they always, you know, it's like yeah, you can do this and this and this, but also there's this extra thing that you could only do in video games as opposed to, to sort of committing completely to the realism of it. Because yeah, realism, I, is, realism is great, but I want some fantasy too. Yeah, and I think what it is is that for a while. A lot of developers they veer towards the realism of everything, oh, yeah. and that's and that's definitely what's put it back. But like I agree, like I love having that level of grandiose in my games, mm-hmm. like something that's just so. I mean, it's the reason why you jump into these games. Like you want to escape reality yeah. and you know do do what you want, do do something that you can't do in real life. So, right. um, um, speaking of uh, NFL 2K, so. That was another thing. So mm-hmm. EA didn't want to work with Sega. They didn't have a contract. They signed a contract with, um, I think, either Sony or Microsoft at the time. And so all the sports games on Dreamcast were done by Sega, which mm-hmm. one of their teams eventually became 2K Sports. But like mm-hmm. they, that was all like in house. That was all like, right. hey, we're just gonna make our own sports game. And guess what? They're gonna, they're gonna be better than mm-hmm. all the Maddens. They were gonna be. They, they ended up getting rated a lot higher. And I just feel like that sort of. Um, that sort of like ballsy approach to, you know, well, all right, these people aren't going to work with us. Okay. These, what, these are what those people are doing. Okay. Well, I'm going to do this. You know, yeah. I, I like that. I miss that in, in, uh, gaming culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You don't really see competition like that anymore. Like yeah. we, you don't really, like, I don't think there's like console wars, like mascot wars. Uh, that, that's like a thing of the past. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of it is, you know, the ports are, essentially the same now and you know back in the 90s it was like you know different companies you know you know capcom made aladdin on super nintendo but you know shiny made aladdin on genesis so it was like you know it it was a totally different game and so you get these different perspectives of the same property and now it's like more or less it's the same copy on all systems which is good in some ways but it kind of saps a little bit of that um that sort of clever and for that matter uh competitive innovation and design you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure for sure yeah i think that's a literally a perfect way to put that <laughs> cool yeah 
Right. right. Wow. So. That was a really good conversation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, so Rod, what you been playing this past week, man? Man, I don't even know if I can follow any of that up. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have been playing, I, I did not get to play a whole lot this week. I'll, I'll check in next week with, um, with a continuation of what I'm about to say. But I did, I accidentally deleted half of my Life is Strange 2 save. Oh. Um, so I had to go back and play, replay that, which is actually fine because I hated the decisions I made anyway in that game. Uh, so I was like, <laughs> okay, it's totally fine. Um, so that is like the main thing that I kind of replayed was that, and I haven't had a chance to really talk about it on, um, on, on the show yet. So I'll do that here. So, um, and I'll be talking mostly about episode two. Um, it's very strong so far. I'm a huge fan. This is the this is the Don't Nod series, the adventure game. I don't like to say walking simulator. I'm gonna say adventure game mm-hmm. uh, franchise from those guys. And as you as some of you from our old show may know, like I'm a huge Life is Strange fan, giant Life is Strange one fan. Like I think it's one of my favorite games of this generation. Uh, cool. The story, the storytelling, the characters, the content is just, I think we literally don't get stories like that um, in, in games right now. So <clears throat> it's very unique to me. And so I was like, man, how are they going to follow, follow this up? Um, and a lot of people were mad at first because the protagonists were two males um, and people really resonated strongly with the two uh, female leads um, especially because you could, you know, have them be in a romantic relationship and that was very powerful for people. So, you know, there was a lot of controversy there. Um, I figured I was going to give it a chance. They were actually Hispanic. So I thought that was really cool as well. So I was like, okay, what are they going to do with this? You know, this is going to be right. interesting new material. What are they going to do? So episode one comes along, uh, September of last year and it turns out to be really good and quite topical actually for, for where we are, you know, in the United States, a lot of a lot of things happening right now. A lot of things going on. A lot of a lot of bad things. Um, yep. And you get to see, kind of from the perspective of of these kids, uh, some of that. I mean, it really kind of goes into like kind of um, you know, we'll be frank here, uh, it, it, Trump America, and like what that kind of means um, from a particular vantage point. And I really appreciated it, and I thought the execution of that was very very good um but as it's only one part of a five-part story you know it's hard to really judge it on the whole but episode episode two came along earlier this year in at the end of january and i thought it continued the story very very well something that i think don't nod does that a lot of other uh studios doing these kind of games are are doing is they are creating a really good they're creating great performances with incredible graphics. Like they've upgraded their engine in a massive way. Like cool. people are, are, they're not moving with as much, uh, quote unquote jank as they were in the other iterations of this, uh, of, of the franchise. Like they're actually, everything is much smoother. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of quiet moments. Um, a lot of – you get sort of that contemplative nature of Life is Strange. Um, Herb, have you played this series? I have played the first one. I have it on 360. I went through like like the first like segment of it, and then it, you know, it ends in like a cliffhanger. 
Um, and it's been a while, but I definitely enjoy it, and I like games like that. I've always been, um, it's been a long time, but I was always a big, like, point and click fan. Um, all those games that used to be on PCs, and then, like, you know, uh, uh, like Deus Ex and Mass Effect and things like that, where it's all about making decisions, you know, in addition to whatever other gameplay. I love, you know, Heavy Rain and Indigo Prophecy and stuff like that. Like, those, you know, I think it's a really cool, it's it is like a movie, but you know you just have so there's so many possibilities, right? And it's it's like addictive and very satisfying to go down each one and kind of see where it goes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's it really is very uh, cinema esque, and 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 but the the interactivity really comes out especially in life is strange too you can actually get quite a different um a story path um in this one i feel like even more so than the first one the first one i think there's there are really kind of two paths that you can go i think though that, that those paths are very good um and, and they're portrayed very well but i you know you get two maybe three paths but in this game in, in life is strange too it seems like they've done a very good job of hiding some of the strings right uh, behind that and i think that is what makes it work even better for me so in some ways i think that it's a better experience than one um and i think the writing is also better in, than one as well i think I, again as much as i love one some of the it feels like 40 year old men sat in a room wondering what like 15 year old girls would say <laughs> in high school um <laughs> some of the dialogue does come off that way but you know, despite that, you know, there is some charm there. Um, but they were able to refine that in a greater way into, and I really appreciate the deep dive into, again, some of the, um, harder topics because you were traveling with your, with your little brother. Um, and there are powers involved. I don't want to spoil that experience for people who haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but you know, there are powers like Life is Strange One. I will say that you do not have the ability to turn back time like you did in the first one. So wow. when you make a decision, you, you have to stick with it. Um, so that is actually a pretty powerful mechanic and something that I actually value because you could be like me and wipe half your save and, you know, start all over. Um, <laughs> Wait, but, so uh, how did you wipe half the save? Yeah, so there is a, a mechanic in this one that wasn't available in the first one where you can actually start from uh, – each episode is segmented off into okay. different parts. So maybe like I think the second episode had maybe seven-ish parts and I actually chose to start I wanted to see a certain scene over again before I started the third episode this week and I started it and there was a prompt that came up really fast and I was clicking X because I was impatient and apparently it said, "Hey, if you start from this particular section, any of your progress from this point forward is erased." Uh... Yeah. Um so and there's no Take backsies. So like, you know, you, right. you wipe it, it's done. Like I even tried to stop it on the loading screen and nope, it's gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, that was a fun experience, but you know, it was, it was cool because it was a minor refresher for some of the things that had occurred during the game. Right. Um, and, and I, I really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to quickly mention that because I didn't get a lot uh, to play this week, but I will be checking in next week for episode three and i'll probably dive a little bit deeper into that so uh so get ready for that mm -hmm. cool okay nice no no uh phoenix right plug 
I mean, I'm going to plug that every day. So, I mean, <laughs> like every week, go buy Phoenix Wright. It's it's probably the one of the greatest, you know, we're talking about point-and-click games. Like, that's one of my favorite point-and-click games. True. That is a good one, too. Yeah. Oh, you're a fan. Oh, yeah. Um, I Now, it's been a long time, but I played um, at least, I think, the first two on, like, regular DS, like original DS. Um, and, yeah, yeah, just, just like, hilarious and irreverent and... Just, you know, the, the quality of Capcom shines through. Like, it's just, it's cool. It's cool they brought it back. I'm, uh, I'm looking in the Switch store right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is fantastic. I'm a, I'm a giant fan. I've played every single game that's come out in America. Uh, I've, I've cool. played them all on, originally on the DS, but I said, fuck it. I'm going to play it on the Switch because I want more of these games and I want to support Capcom and East Attorney, and I just, I love it all. So, uh, I'm currently replaying them. I'm, I'm at the end of the first game, actually, and, uh, taking my time. Take, I got my girlfriend to actually play, uh, the game as well, and she's not super into, like, anime type things, really, but, like, she's actually super into this, and I'm, cool. I'm very pleased about that. <laughs> but, uh, yes, thank you, Chris. Thank you for yeah. that. I was gonna say, yeah. wasn't there, um, I'm not sure if there was, I'm pretty sure it's from one of the Phoenix Wright games, but there's like a, a part of the story where like there's like a parrot that yes. gives up a suspect. That totally happens in real life. Yes. Like I, I posted about that maybe about two weeks ago where in real life a, uh, a parrot, I don't know if they interrogated the parrot, but it was like giving out information for a case. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I kid you not that I played, I saw that news story and literally played that case that night that that had happened and it was it made that case even more fun <laughs> look at that life imitating art exactly now exactly. did you did y'all play uh phoenix Wright versus professor layton i did cool i did not and i've always wanted to because i'm like that is such a cool combination <laughs> yeah it okay so it is it's cool because it was written it the, the scenario was written by shutakami uh, as you know the creator of the first three phoenix rights right and it, so i was hyped for it off that alone that's all you had to say to get me in um also just quick aside have you played ghost trick Ghost Trick, no, but I mean, I've heard of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I just, I'm curious because that was, um, another shoot to Kami joint that was actually ex- insanely good. Um, quick plug on that. Buy it oh. at a, at your local used store if you can. It's on DS. It's fantastic. It's but, also on the phone soon. Oh cool. shit, I didn't know that. DS, um, original DS has like one of the best libraries of any game system ever. 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's so good. Yeah. Um, for Wright and Layton, um, it starts kind of slow, uh, but it, like, it takes a minute to kind of get going. But once you get into, like, I would say maybe the second act and things kind of start chugging along, the universes has, have kind of collided. Layton and Wright are kind of like interacting now. Um, it's, it's a much better experience. So you're getting like the Layton, you're getting the best of both worlds, literally. Like you're getting the problem solving from the Layton games and all the puzzles that you know and love, but you're also getting the drama in the courtroom. And that's kind of where the Phoenix Wright stuff comes in. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would suggest checking it out. It is a, maybe a tad too long. And like I said, it, it takes a little bit to get going. But I think if you commit to it, you probably enjoy it. So wait, cool. so question, is this uh, Phoenix Wright, and Professor Layton, or is it Professor Layton, or is it Phoenix Wright versus Professor Layton? Like, are they, like, at first against each other, but then they figure out that the true enemy is out there, so they have to work together? <laughs> it is no, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Yeah, yeah. That is the title. 
in the game, they become cool pretty quickly. Uh, okay. it's, yeah, it's not like a point of contention. It's not like a Zack Snyder Batman. I was gonna, I was gonna say, did they, did they both figure out that their mother's name was Martha? <laughs> no, thank God. No. Um, no. <laughs> so, uh, it, it is much better, it is a much better written game than, than that. In, in, in that movie yeah so <laughs> let us let us never mention that again um but yeah good good game though good game cool all right so um chris, i guess i'll oh yeah go, wait, go ahead oh i'm sorry chris i gotta properly introduce you yeah, chris. yeah yo what, what you been playing oh man what have i been playing so uh quick shout out to uh people that follow us on facebook you know, they watch the streams. We do Smash Brothers streams every now and then. And week after week, you can sort of go back and watch, like, the video on demand. Mine Cinevore is getting a little better. <laughs> bit by bit, I'm able to, like, make sure I don't self-destruct. Um, I'm able to get my some of my throws in a little bit more uh, consistently. And uh, I can get some I can get some wins in. Because, like, these, these lobbies that we do, they're open lobbies. Um, when we stream... We throw up what the arena code is, so if we have room, you could jump in, have fun, and it's and it's definitely a laid back, you know, chill environment. Uh, I mean, I was saying there's no tryhards, but we had a yeah. guy, we, yeah. <laughs> we had a guy the other day playing as a zero suit Zamus, and he uh, basically ran the room for like 45 minutes. Nice. But, but I think, but like I said, we all had fun. Like it was all in like competitive nature. Like everyone was cool. And that's that's what I like about what we uh what we do with the streams. Like if it's sort of like sort of like how we do the podcast. It's one of those, you know, kick back and relax, you know, cool type of atmospheres. So like I said, in Cinderor, he's getting he's getting trained up. I wanna say if if he was like a real Pokemon, he's like level I don't know, level forty two, level forty six, maybe. Something like that. Really cool. Nice. So real quick. Yeah, and maybe this is gonna go into something much longer than I anticipate. But <laughs> I've gotta know, Herb especially, and Chris obviously feel free to jump in. Obviously, but Herb, you said that you're a big fighting game fan. I think all three of us are kind of like like fairly big fighting game fans. Yeah, I've gotta know, is Super Smash Brothers a fighting game for you? Uh, so well. So Smash Brothers started out as like an experiment, right? On 64, they were like, "What if we put Nintendo characters in a game where you beat each other up?" And so, kind of like from the beginning, I was like, "Okay, so it's like a platforming beat 'em up game." Because if you think about it, it's sort of like playing, you know, Beautiful Joe or Final Fight. Mm -hmm. It's just instead of, you know, progressing through a stage, which also happens in Smash Brothers, because it's you know, freaking megaverse of game options. Um, you know, you, you knock people off the stage. So in my mind, it's kind of like, you know, it's somewhere between fighting, party, platformer, and beat em up. It's all of those. But do I think it's a fighting game in the set of standards that Street Fighter and King of Fighters and Fatal Fury and Samurai Showdown and Mortal Kombat and all that have established? No, but that doesn't make it any less valid. Mm. Okay, you know. that, I actually genuinely love that answer, and I apologize, I was not trying to set you up for that. I genuinely no, no. was was very curious, um, because I'm 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 kind of of the mindset that it 
that it isn't really, but I actually really like how you articulated it because I, I don't want to take, so the one thing I don't want to do is take away from the people who are really good at that game and do treat it like a fighting game because the, the community has rallied around this game in a way that it wasn't intended to be, but I think there's something beautiful in that. So like, I, and I love that. I love that people have created something out of this thing where, you know, Sakurai was like, you know, I, I have no idea what's happening anymore. Um, and what they, what was done with Melee is, is something I haven't seen in a lot of other games. Um, of of this type for sure, and so right. I, I always find that that debate very interesting. But uh, I do appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that for sure. Sure. I was gonna say quick shout out. I just just popped up. Quick aside, well, shout out to Power Stone on the Dreamcast. God damn. Oh my god. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's like that's like the 3D Smash, really, truly. You know, <laughs> if they if they if they really wanted to push it. If Capcom had like done whatever it took to get that game on the level of Smash, like Power Stone 2 was really close to Smash in 3D. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But yo, I don't know who we have to email or who we have to send this <laughs> yeah. podcast to, but there, Power there, Stone, put it there out. were so many good fighting games on that system, and a lot of them just never made it past it. Like there was Power Stone, there's Technomancer, there's uh, Psychic Force, there's Virtual On, which oh I guess God, they they did just make a new one, a new Virtual On last year on PS4. But yeah. um, you know, you know, yeah, but that's a whole nother tangent. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I mean Smash. I I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a great game. I've always enjoyed it. Every version of it, um, even even the 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 mods, uh, Project M and all that. I absolutely. Oh, it's so good. It's it's like it, it, there's a whole culture behind it. Um, yeah. I also appreciate the the developer's original intent, which was like you know exactly. you can play it like this if you want, but yeah. we're gonna give you every option to play it however you want to play it. Exactly, and you know I think that might be where I. Okay, so that might be some some of where my dissension comes in, like from other people who say who tell me like you know, oh man, well if you don't play it like Final Destination only, Fox, no items, like all that right. other stuff, it's like oh well you're not playing it the right way. I take umbrage with that. Like that's Same. the that's the thing that I don't like because it's like dude, this game is literally made to not be played that way. I love that you made it play that way. That's right, sure, <laughs> awesome. I love it. Keep doing it, but like I don't think I'm playing it wrong for that. See, and yeah. that's why I love that they give you the option to play that game this way. Like, they give yeah. you the option on playing with, you know, items, playing on the state, like, which stage you're playing on, playing on what version of that stage you're playing on, um, playing right, with the time, stage hazards, yeah. everything. Like, they give you so much options, so, like, yeah. you can really play the game however you like, and anyone can yeah. really jump in. Yeah, in our streams that we run, like for the show, like we, I mean, we, we generally play, you know, 1v1s and, and, you know, no items or anything like that, but, I mean, but we've talked about expanding that in the future, you know, doing different variations of that concept. Because I think, I mean, for me personally, I find that the most fun, but, you know, what I find the most fun might not be what, you know, some other people find fun either. So. For sure. It's that give and take, you know. I think there's sort of like rules and after, um, you know, I've been the first one here in Atlanta that I did the first game night uh, was Warp Zone, but I used to run it. I used to live up in Ohio, and I was running it out of my house for about a year and a half. Um, and if I've learned anything from setting up consoles and systems and having game nights and doing this thing that I do uh, for this lawn, is that like 
first of all, there's 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 a couple rules with Smash, and they are open ended rules, but I feel like they are uh, they have merit. First of all, if you're playing with like a bunch of people, it needs to be on time because right. that way everybody can play the whole time, and those who are good are still gonna be good because your KOs count. And at the end, you know, you kind of figure it out, and plus you get sudden death. But if you're playing one-on-one, absolutely stock is fine. But otherwise, it's just kind of, like, unfair because it ends up being, like, people that know how to sit on the sidelines and then just killing the dudes in the middle. And then, you know, they have three stock, and it's, like, over based on something that you had no... Uh, You had no attempt. You know, there was no chance for you to, like, avoid. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the same with items. I love items, but that's for time. That's not for stock. It, it, out of nowhere, a bob could come up, and then that's it. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're playing on time, at the very least, you die. Okay, cool. You respawn. You make that kill back. It's all good. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, dang. <laughs> that, that whole conversation came out of us playing, uh, talking about the, the stream. So, yeah, so uh, we did that in the stream uh, this past week. Um, like I said, Incineroar is leveling up, and that's great. Uh, but besides that, I, um, I played some Division 2 with, uh, Elena. Um, and if you listen to the episode from last week, that's what we're talking about. She, um, she sort of had to carry me through a couple of missions, because I'm a little bit behind. Uh, and if you haven't played Division 2, it's, you know, it's a loot shooter, open world, um, set in DC. And, uh, like once you get towards the end game, you're really, you're pretty much, uh, reopening the world back up to, like, the, like, a tougher enemy type. And you have to go back, redo missions that these new enemies are taking over these areas. And it's just, I don't know, I'm gonna say it's tough, but some of the, some of the bosses, like, if you're not, like, specced right, or if you're not leveled correctly, you're pretty much stuck. So, uh, shout out to her to, you know, coming in, helping me, uh, beat a boss, and then, doing a, a stronghold but you know we did all that last night and i don't know if, i don't know if it's the new patch that's bugged but i was you know kicked maybe about once when i was doing uh no twice actually when i was doing a mission by myself and then twice when me and her were playing so um hopefully we'll see some sort of you know patch to fix that but uh there's some news that the division two is going to have their first raid in a couple days. So I guess once this episode is live, that raid should be out. Yeah, it should be out. And um there's no matchmaking, which is a huge disappointment. Yeah. Um yeah, maybe maybe an outright lie considering I'm pretty sure they had confirmed that at some point that there would be matchmaking. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost so you just have to do it like you just have to do it the old way, you just make a lobby or you find a lobby. You're gonna have to go outside of the game proper, um, it, like some sort of LFG group, and find somebody, just like people were doing on Destiny. Gotcha. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's really a pain in the ass, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, it's ridiculous to me, like it, in this day and age, like that you would take the option away from people to be right. able to match make. I mean, I get people are like, you know, oh man, it's gonna be really hard to coordinate with randoms, but I mean, let people try. You yeah. know, like, would you rather people, would you rather people not be able to access your content at all? Right. You know, I feel like a, a sort of growing trend in gaming is to 
sort of like under the guise of we're going to make it more focused, we're going to make it more simple, you know, whatever it is, I feel like taking away options is kind of like not ever really a good thing. We were just talking about uh, Jet Set Radio and, for that matter, Choo Choo Rocket. In both of those games, in one, you could make your own graffiti and save it on a memory card. In the other, you can make your own levels and send them to other people to also play. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's... You know, if, if you're making a sequel, if you're, if you're pushing, if you're pushing it forward, if you're doing the next one in a series, whatever it is, it needs to be everything the first one was plus some, not less, not a different variation. I feel like it should only add on in the same way that Smash Brothers has. Smash Brothers has only gotten bigger and better every single time. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Dan, you're saying that. I'm looking at my copy of Destiny 2. Oh boy, that <laughs> Bungie, they uh I don't know, they dropped the ball when they released that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but And you know, and that's kind of like happening to a lot of games these days. I mean, No Man's Sky was a big di- disappointment until the uh the patch last year, which of course made everything better, but like how much later, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly at what cost, you know? Right. Um oh boy, that was a catastrophe. That was, that was a big one. <laughs> yeah. And that was one of my most anticipated games uh, of that year and it came out and i was unbelievably bummed out yeah i i specifically remember playing playing it um at first weekend it came out and maybe about three hours in like i sort of sit back and i'm like yo am, am i having fun right now yeah. like what <laughs> what am i doing yeah. like it's the same like repetitive like yeah. You know, going to a planet, realizing yeah. you don't have materials, and then having mm-hmm. to get materials, and then, all right, there's nothing to do on this planet, so let's go to the next planet. Yeah. And see, that brings me to Nintendo. Um, I, I have always felt like Nintendo has this thing about playing it really safe, but you know what that affords you is stability. Nintendo was like, hey, we could have these jokers over here making Metro Prime 4, but you know what? We're actually going to give it back to Retro Studios so that that shit's good when it comes out. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really care when something releases. I don't care. There's always more games to play. There's thousands of games to play. Yeah. So I want it to be good when it comes out. I'm not worried about getting it now. I want it to be good. So, like, if they needed to take longer on Division, if they needed to take longer on No Man's Sky, if they need to take longer on Metro Prime 4, I'm there for that. Like, please, take your time so when that shit comes out, it is gold. Let me tell you about a game called Anthem. Oh. <laughs> I hear all sorts of not oh. great things about it. <laughs> Let it die. Yeah. Let it die. You, Herb, I don't, I'm not sure if you... If you I have not played it yet, but I've heard overwhelming disappointment. Oh, oh, Herb. <laughs> we have talked We have talked about this game on this show, maybe to the point of, like, just mere mention. We'll just reduce Chris to just a, a, a blubbering mess. Oh, my goodness. Like, there's, there's no cam right now, but you should just see my face. Like, I'm distraught right now. Yes. Yeah. It is... Uh, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and plug one of those episodes that we did. If, we, if you have not listened to the episode where we speak about Anthem, you should go back and and listen to that. Um, it, it's the one where we do, go into the Kotaku article um, okay. revolving around that game. It is uh, we, we go pretty, pretty hard on it. Um, but I mean, we also played through it. We completed that game. So, you know, we saw it all the way through to the end. Um, and it was not a, a good experience in any sense of the word. Like, really. what's, what's, what's the game it's trying to be? 
Oh, okay. The game it's trying to be, it's trying to be, the, the, the number one game it's trying to be is it, it's trying to be a Destiny. I wouldn't even say a Destiny 2. I would say no, a Destiny. It's trying to be OG Destiny, like launch yeah. Destiny. It, huh. Like v- vanilla ass Destiny. Like that's what it's trying to be. Um, and it fails, it not only does it fail spectacularly at that, and I'm not trying to dunk on this game, I promise. I'm not just trying to do that, but like it, it, it also creates new problems. Um, okay. and, and that is a, a quite a feat, actually, because Vanilla <laughs> Destiny had it had a lot of problems. It had a lot of problems that were fixed in Taken King, which released a year later. So you would think that something in development. Well, we kind of know the story behind that, but I mean, <laughs> you would think that something that had come out so far after that would not only fix the problems that were already presented, but maybe you know come up with um, new innovations in that field. I'm not even asking for new innovations, in fact. I would just say, don't create new problems. Just yeah. make don't. it work. And, it's, and it sort of goes back to what you said about Nintendo, how Nintendo has like the tact to see that what they're about to put out isn't good. Yeah. So they'll wipe it completely and give it to someone that could actually make it. Yep. Uh, Bioware and EA, like, they... The, the the story behind Anthem is that it was in, like quote unquote in development for about six years, but wasn't really in development until eighteen months before the game came out. Oh wow! Right. Um. I think when the E3 trailer, the very first reveal dropped for it, they had just finalized the that proof of concept days before revealing it. Um. They didn't even know it was going to be called Anthem until hours before it actually was revealed to the world. Oh my god. Um, um, yeah, it, it was a huge failure of leadership um, and a really depressing story about the kind of the, the, the little guys who were working there uh, who had to kind of endure this uh, from, from their leadership. And, and I really feel bad for the developers, honestly. Like, and I, that's why I hate dunking on the game so hard because I know it's not their fault specifically. Now, now, here's a question. So based on, you know, every new game that comes out is essentially 60 bucks or higher especially nowadays with DLC and everything. Now, based on the fact that Anthem is a $60 game, let's say it was a free game. How would you compare it being worth essentially nothing other than, you know, whatever DLC or skins or whatever? How would you compare it to something like Apex or Fortnite? Even though I know those are battle royales, I'm just saying, like, you know, free games I feel like right now are sort of changing the perception of how we value games because Mm. Apex is killing it. Fortnite is killing it. PUBG is killing it. And that's, I mean, PUBG costs a little bit, but, like, there's ways to get PUBG. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, right. a hard game to come across. Um, and those are free, and I know they only offer so much, and they offer a very specific sort of rigid kind of gameplay. Like, it's it's this one thing, and that's what it is, but it's free, and a ton of people are playing it. So I feel like now we have to sort of, you know, rank up games that are coming out 60 bucks. And promising this and promising that and and delivering or not, but we have to kind of like pit them against these free games now that are really still in the show. Mm-hmm. That, See, I yeah. what game pops up for me is Warframe. Oh, same exact, Warframe is cool. Same exact you know genre as a loot shooter, yeah. and it's free, free to play. Yeah. Um. They the only thing that they really charge for are cos- cosmetics and um like extra like. Slots for your Warframe, slots for your weapons, stuff that you could actually earn in game with credits. Right. But you really, you can put in hundreds of hours on Warframe, not spend a dime. That's awesome. So, 
so yeah, so Warframe has like it's it's covered that hey, what if you know it's you know free to play like it could, it's it's obvious it could be done. It's right. you just have to have the, the gameplay has to work and the, the game just has to be fun. Like I I had no like, I think I maybe dropped maybe thirty bucks on Warframe and that's just to have like extra uh, slots for armor. I just wanted to pimp out my uh, my Warframe a little bit. So I have no problem dumping in money on a free-to-play game, especially if it's of quality. Same. I, um, you know, I'm a big Rogue fan, and for that matter, I'm a big Suda51 plan, uh, fan. So I played a ton of Let It Die, which is totally free. But you can put money into it, and it essentially gets you uh, extra lives for every time you die so that you don't have the permadeath occur. And... um you know, I mean, yeah, I probably put in a good 30, 40 bucks because it meant that much to me because I was really enjoying playing it. I mean, I already put in like, you know, 90 hours or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny how that model is changing. And I think that that is going to give these people, uh, these bigger companies that are releasing stuff for 60 bucks without even being like the full game, number one and number two, not being as good as like you're saying, like a predecessor. That's really that you know they can only get away with that so many times before studios start closing things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's exactly what people were saying after Anthem release was like, well, shit, we don't know what's gonna happen to Bioware now um, yeah. because that's like strike two or three for them at this point um, right. in terms of reception. And and I mean it's still unclear because the roadmap for that game got got delayed by a large amount of time. So we don't know what those DLC plans are. I mean, they had a whole map for the entire year, and now they just pushed all of that back while they're still trying to fix the game that's out right now. Um, and it's just, it's insane what they're what they're trying to do with, with that game. Um, and I, I do want to circle back to uh, your, your question on that. And I know for me, I can speak to my experience of... Um, just I didn't have fun playing it. Like no matter how much money I spent on it, it was felt like a complete waste of time. I never had fun on the hamster wheel, as it as it were. Um, right. And so if it related to, so if I didn't spend any money, if it if it was free to play, I probably to be one hundred percent honest with you, I probably would have stopped playing it like way earlier if I hadn't spent money on it. Um, and and maybe if I hadn't been doing the show either, because I think I partially played it just so we could talk about it. Um, right. Because I, I had to know. Like, I had to know what Bioware had been up to this entire time, and I wanted to see it through to the very end. And I was like, hey, maybe Endgame gets way better. Um, spoilers, it doesn't. Like, it actually <laughs> kind of – there is no Endgame, really. Um, I mean, and- that's that's all the review you need right there. If if the money – if the, the fact that you did spend on it is what is keeping you playing it so that you feel like you got – worth what you spent that's i mean that's the review yeah <laughs> like, right, right damn you know exactly exactly so really unfortunate what happened to that game i'm and sorry you know, chris you had to go do that again <laughs> so i think you know that sort of it poses a lot of questions to gamers and mm-hmm. i think anybody who's paying attention can see like the market's changing the whole thing's changing mm-hmm. so does that mean that we sort of need to put more pressure on these companies to release a finished product like they used to Mm -hmm. Or does that mean we as gamers have to sort of adjust our values to not get so hyped up about something and not not sort of fool ourselves into thinking that every single new game drop is going to be the messiah of whatever genre? I fucking love what you just said. So I think it's it's actually two. I think it's both of those things at the Same. same time. 
Um, and I tell people all the time, I tell people off air, on air, stop pre-ordering games. Like, yeah. just stop yeah. doing that. <laughs> like, that, it's, it, it does not, it is not helping you. It's not helping the publisher. Stop it. So, um, yeah, obviously the hype train has to stop at some point. I also think a lot of this does go back to kind of what we were saying in the other episode too, is that I think we do need to demand more, um, but not just from the developers. I think we need to demand more from these publishers and the pressure that some of them put on their developers, on the people on the ground doing, I don't want to say the grunt work, but like literally like the people co- hard coding these things. Right, making um, the game. Exactly. Um, because that is where a lot of this broke down. There were so many stories about, um, how leadership couldn't make decisions about, literally couldn't make decisions about any aspect. The flying in the, in the game, um, was continually and often on feature in the title. And it was not something that anyone could just say, hey, this is happening or hey, this is not happening. Um, and so people were forced to rewrite various aspects of this game. Terrain artists had to recreate everything that they were doing because they were making terrain uh, for with the implicit um, idea that like, okay, well, you're going to be flying over this. So like hills and shit don't really matter all that much. Oh, wait, we're not flying. Okay. So we do, we, okay. We, so it can't just all be flat now. Like, I mean, th- things like that really matter. Um, and I think there, there are a number of different things that, that need to change on the, the inside. And I hope that, um, that conditions are better for them. I mean, people were taking months long stress vacations, um, it, stress, Park. stress vacations, not just yeah. regular vacations, but stress. Yes. Yeah. So I, I really feel for them, and I think, I, and I really want to. That's one thing I want to do with this show, not to get like on my soapbox too much, but like <laughs> I really want to provide a platform um, for for people to who consume this entertainment to really recognize what goes into it and 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 value what goes into it. Um, and, and be aware of what is going on. Like, I think that is super important. So I definitely want to continue shining a light on that stuff. Yeah. So I have, I have something. Because um, so you guys brought up a really good point, and it sort of circles back to a conversation that I had just a couple hours ago with a coworker. Um, the younger coworker, she was sort of like, you know, giving me a soapbox about like certain things that she's stressed about in life. And of course, it's, you know, uh, like guy troubles for her. So I told her that. You know, we, we all go through those things and it's, it's something that the stage that she's in her life right now, what she's gonna learn is that, you know, you, you pretty much tell the world what you're gonna put up with. So if you're gonna oh, yeah. put up with, you know, someone talking to other people while you're talking to them, then people are just gonna treat that, treat you that way. So I feel like we could circle around and, Put that into the gaming sphere. Gamers, Absolutely. wake up and grow up. Like, we have to, you know, vote with our wallets. If we don't like how something is being done, then let's not support it. Yeah. Let's not, you know, we, we could go in our soapboxes on our shows. We could, you know, put, you know, posts and comments. But what, at the end of the day, what really matters is the money. Like, that's what these, you know, publishers, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, that's what they want. And if they're not getting the money, then they have to they have to adapt. They have to adapt to what's making money at that point. So if we're putting our money into uh, publishers and developers that are you know uh, doing the right things, like they're putting out games that are 100% complete, that they're you know not 
doing microtransactions on everything, then let's let's support those guys so that the bigger guys can say, oh wow, we're losing all this money, and and sort of you can sort of look at what happened with Fortnite. Fortnite was free to play, and has like completely changed the gaming sphere. Yeah, and now yeah. everyone everyone wants to have a battle royale. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, which is which is so funny that it's like, look, just because <laughs> just because this is working for them and working great doesn't mean we want the Call of Duty version of that too, bro. Like, we don't necessarily <laughs> want every game to now have that that model. That's let them do them, and right. I I feel like there's there's merit to being an individual. I've always been like on on that on that plane of like, you know, you do you and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my folks really pushed that a lot at me when I was younger, which I realized pretty quickly, you know, when you go to school, that's not what a lot of people's parents are telling them to do, right. you know, and, um, or, or they're just not telling them anything at all. And I feel like that totally translates to the gaming world. You know, people will just see a new game and they're just ready to toss the money at it before they've even like looked into what's going on with it. The news, the, um, the demos, the trailers, or even like, you know, just think for a second, like, hey, hey, let me, let me, let me see if in a month from now that shit is $20 off. Cause like a lot of times it is. There's a lot of games that go right under the radar and either release at 40 or release at 60. And then within two, three months, it's down to 30. Um, and you know, I'm not saying don't support the games you want to support. And if paying full price means something to you, cool. But like, obviously our whole country's in debt, right? And gamers, right. I mean, <laughs> I love I love my games, but I probably spent way too much money on video games in my life, if I'm being honest. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm with you. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's something I love, of course, but but so much money has gone into it. So at this point, at this stage in the game, I'm like, you know, being a lot smarter with that than I was like 10 years ago buying every new release because yeah, I mean. It's it's a it's a it's a different it's a different game now. It's 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 it can be disappointing if you jump at the uh, early adopter seat, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm 100% with you. I love everything you just said. Thank you so much for saying it. For sure. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I, I have like I'm vindicated now from everything I've been saying for the past however many weeks. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you know. I mean, it's just like anything else. People want to feel like they belong, right? So right. that right. gets um, that gets sort of seeded inside trends. And, you know, for as long as I've been listening to hip hop, just as one example, it's dollar, dollar bill, y'all. So, like, right. if right. you have that newest thing, right? Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, whatever. If you have the, you know, if you have Smash day one, which, of course, that's a safe bet. I mean, Smash is gonna always be amazing. That's just how it is. But, like, you know, games that come out of nowhere, games that are kind of, uh, not ripoffs, but, but interpretations of other games, like how Anthem is like, you know, like you're saying, like a, a watered down destiny, a, uh, a, a, a not so good destiny. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like we all have to collectively sort of choose and, and, and work with each other on a community level to like not give them all the money in the world so that they can fuck it up more. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? Well said. Well said. It's hard. I mean, it's kind of hard to, um, to get a lot of gamers on the same page. Cause yeah, we have the internet, you know, but that's sort of in a roundabout way. That's kind of what, why I do what I do. Um, not only because I miss the arcades, mm-hmm. but to sort of bring that back in a way where gamers are actually interacting with each other socially, you know, and if that bleeds into other things, cool. If I can work with whoever to do it, cool. But the, 
the gist of the whole thing is that gamers are connecting with each other. Yeah. Um, I have a young niece and a and, and nephew that live in Orlando, and when I talk to them about multiplayer games, literally all they know is online games and maybe yeah. Mario Brothers on the couch. And I'm like, I'm like, that's great, I guess, mm-hmm. but like. I don't know. I was going to say, wait, so they, they don't know the horror of playing a Mario Party and having someone steal all of your stars <laughs> at the very end of the game? Yeah. The heartbreak? Right. It's like, it's like you know, just the experience of playing next to someone, of being in that sort of like, you know, in that space where you are safe to be that nerd that you are. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that, and I think the more that we play together, the more that we connect as gamers, you know, the less the less likely it is for a bunch of isolated gamers who only play online, mm-hmm. you know, in the basement with a headset on, mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. like share ideas. Because all the ideas back in the day went down in the schoolyard. We didn't have the internet, right? It was all GamePro and Nintendo Power and Electronic Gaming Monthly. Mm-hmm. So it was magazines and then talking shit on the uh, on the playground. And that was it, but it, it sort of brought us really close together. Like we all sort of developed like a hive mind towards mm-hmm. gaming. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nowadays it's very, it's it's either very scattered because there's all the you know different genres and different types of games now. There's people that are only there's cats that are only into VR. There's dudes that are only into retro and speed running and games done quick, right? And then there's people that are like only into GTA Five Online right. or Fortnite or whatever. And and I feel like. The internet can only do so much. That is the platform where we watch it. That is where we keep up with the news. But there's still nothing like a good old fashioned like get together where we talk about games. And you know, I'm just shameless plug to y'all, but like a podcast to talk about games and to put this out here is a very, very good step in that direction. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, man. For sure. All right. Let's uh let's go ahead and jump into news before we jump into our main topic for tonight. Um, cool. it's a really quick like small news week. So yeah, it's probably the smallest one that we've had since we started actually. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and start off with Detective Pikachu dropped this past week, and Rod, you saw you saw the movie. I did see the movie. I saw it the other day, a couple of days ago, and you know as you guys know, huge huge film fan. Um. Used to run the should I play or should I watch that podcast and uh, you know cool. bring that back uh, you know it consistently pretty soon I think but um, yeah Detective Pikachu directed by Rob Letterman he did a lot of films that I have particularly not been super fond of like Gulliver's Travels Monsters vs Aliens Shark Tale Goosebumps oh, wow. yeah not a great resume honestly um, but pleasantly surprised with this one uh this ended up not being too bad let me read the uh, plot summary from imdb it's very very short here in a world where people collect pokemon to do battle a boy comes across an intelligent talking pikachu who seeks to be a detective that's all you need to know really like <laughs> all right <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty simple premise um it's a very it's it's very much taking from things like uh, you know, if you've ever seen a fi- film noir like The Big Sleep or anything like that, like you know, I'm talking black and white, you know, fedoras. Uh, right. There's not really any femme fatales in this one, but like it's a lot of those type of things. Um, the setting itself, I thought, was actually really well done for the type of movie it was, which is like kind of this dark, rainy, neon lit city, um, very Blade Runner esque, like. 
It feels kind of cool, but it's all for kids. Like, you know, it's a PG rated movie. It's, it's something that you could bring your, your kids to. Ryan Reynolds is voicing Pikachu. That is so crazy to me. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so is he, kind is of. Is he playing crazy. Pikachu or is he playing Deadpool? Playing no, Pikachu? he, he, he's, <laughs> he's Deadpool. He's basically Deadpool. Um, which is actually not like, that's, that's not me slamming him. Like, he does fine. Like, he does really well. Um, I like him in the role. Like, I thought, like you heard, I was like, um, what? But it just sounds so random. It's like, wait, yeah. wait, you're telling me Green Lantern slash Deadpool slash that dude from Waiting is Pikachu? What? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, but I'm down. I mean, he's funny. Like he, I mean, he definitely, he's, he's a good entertainer. Yeah, exactly. And that's what he does in this movie. He entertains for all 100, 100 and minutes i guess um and um there it's it, it, the one thing that i was actually curious on what they would do is you know portray things like pokemon battles and this isn't a spoiler this is literally introduced in the first minutes of the film but i wasn't aware that rhyme city which is an original creation for this movie is a place that exists alongside like johto kanto and all those other places um but it's a place where like pokemon live harmoniously like with other with like human beings and not necessarily like the outlaw like training and catching and battling and things like that like it's not something that that city condones so it's kind of like a way that they get around like you know trainer battles and things like that Um, which is kind of a bummer because it's like huh like i kind of would like to see what that would look like in live action but uh but it, it, it somehow it works and you see a lot of easter eggs i didn't recognize each and every single pokemon i'm a casual pokemon fan not like hardcore or anything Same. um so like i'm what you might call a gen oneer so like i most dude same <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I mean like like i've i mean pokemon are all around right like if you if you play five seconds of smash like you're familiar with pokemon exactly but yeah i mean for me it's been it was like red blue yellow crystal and then like snap <laughs> yeah yeah that that's pretty much my trajectory um yeah. but but even so like i still got a lot out of it um and there are some neat little easter eggs even for someone like us and cool. it, it was cool it was entertaining it, i was not i was not upset for for having sat through it like it was it was cool so i would be interested to see what they do in the future with this um you know if they decide to make a pokemon cinematic universe like what that will look like uh it made about 55 for 54 55 million over the weekend um and actually as of this recording almost at the end of the week here uh it's actually at 63 million so making 10 million during the week is not bad not bad at all so i i think it'll play pretty well over the summer um, I'm actually involved in a summer box office movie wager game, and I've got this at like number six for the summer, like top ten films of the summer. Okay. So I'm hoping that like it 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 plays throughout the the rest of the summer, which I think it will. It, it's very friendly to kids, um, and I think mom and dad can sit through it just fine. So it's yeah. good to hear that because I'm supposed to see it tomorrow at noon. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> nice. So yeah. I will I will get back to y'all how I feel about that too. I don't I don't I mean you know. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. And like, I guess my only question is, other than, other than his design, I don't see how this, I'm not sure why this movie didn't get any flack, but Sonic got all the flack. So, other than his design. But I'm like, dude, they're both kids movies, obviously. Like, it's not, none of the, none of these movies are going to be Oscar winners. That's just not what it is, you know? 
Right. And you know, I was thinking about that really hard after seeing Detective Pikachu. Um, but I feel like the, the thing with Sonic was that it was, I understand that, you know, Detective Pikachu is sort of like, it's like, you know, lifelike and Pikachu, when you see him in the games, like he's more of like, uh, he's not really furry. He's more or less like a, like a, it's like a sleek design. Yeah. Uh, Sonic, like the Sonic movie is an abomination. Like what they did to the character. <laughs> like yeah, if you yeah. like honestly, I've seen like uh, deviant art uh, that looked better than yeah. what they did with the movie. Like it's so far from what you know of Sonic that I think right. that's, that's that's the biggest thing is uh, that he completely missed the mark. Yeah, I I would say if we're gonna go like if we're gonna ignore the design for for these right, movies, right. like I would say that the the success and I mean it we're judging Sonic off of a two minute trailer too, so it's hard for me to say this. Right. But but I will say the writing in that movie does not look like it's doing it any favors like oh, in, no. in, in in the trailer um and it, it's funny because that trailer played before my screening of, of detective oh Pikachu. no yeah wow. um and i i don't hear and i see a lot of movies I, i'm at a movie theater i would say maybe once a week like i'm i'm constantly watching movies and i don't hear a lot of trailers that get laughter or much of a like negative reaction as this trailer did like that was the first time people were like laughing and booing and like it was Aww. it was really kind of bad yeah so. it doesn't it doesn't look good i don't i mean ryan reynolds has a much better chance i think of carrying any movie at this point than jim carrey does even carrying that at all like i was, <laughs> I was just about to say yeah you've got like ryan reynolds and like james marston yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like not really too much of a competition to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, um, so yeah, the charm for Sonic just is not there. Like it kind of was for the Detective Pikachu trailers. Well, um, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm looking forward to it. My, my friend was like, "Let's go see it on Thursday," and so we got a couple people, and I'm like, "All right, cool. I'm excited." Nice. Yes. Yes. Please. I would. I would love to hear what you think after you see it. Cool. But uh, all right, and then that's pretty much it. That's all I got for that movie. All right, so next up, uh, and just hot off the presses, Super Mario Maker just had a Nintendo Direct, and it looks pretty good. It's more or less what we know of Mario Maker, um, quote unquote. You get to make levels, you get to <laughs> make your own Mario game, but they're adding a couple of new things. They're adding um, like a like a dedicated like online where if you wanted to play through some levels, it's cool. If you wanted to play co-op with people you could do that but at the same time you could do certain levels and play against them so more or less like you whoever gets to the end the quickest you know if they win you could use like the environments you know against other people so cool. I, I think that's a that's a you know it's uh it's going in the right direction of what i wanted for a mario maker um they're adding more uh, like tools to make your levels mm -hmm. and they, uh, they're adding like new, like skins. So like they mm -hmm. added a uh, Super Mario 3D world skin so cool. that you could use like Cat Mario, you could use like the clear warp pipes and everything looks pretty solid about the game. Um, the only gripe that I really have about it is that if you want to do couch co-op, you have to have like at least one person has to have online to do couch co-op, which doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, that that's kind of weird. Yeah, um, Nintendo has this way of pushing, um, pushing very quality hardware and very tried and true game formulas that work really well, but with a vessel that sometimes feels like it's years behind everybody else. 
Um, you know, in, in terms of like certain functionality, like, like the voice chat thing where you have to have an app. I'm like, come on, man. And then like, you know, there's, there's, there's various things where I'm like, the Switch just needs this other one thing and then it could be like perfect. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for Mario Maker 2 because that's really, other than like a few, you know, tiny titles, that's really like the last thing that was sort of holding Wii U and for that matter 3DS um at all as far as all their franchises go that was the mm-hmm. last thing really to kind of move over you know oh yeah for sure so for that's sure. a good thing cuz the switch library now is amazing i mean i i didn't i wasn't sure about the switch at first and now it's like it's just too easy to to buy all these like Two and five and ten dollar games. I mean, I'm just like going nuts with this thing. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna say, quick aside, I think something else that dropped this week was that the Switch passed the PS4 in sales. I think yeah. in Japan. Was it in Japan or just like? I think it was in Japan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's wild. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the PS4 came out in 2012, so you know, it's it's been a little while, even though in so many ways, it's functionally. It's functionally more full-featured than the Switch, but I have to say, again, as a person who sets up game consoles, you know, two to four nights a week, every time I set up a PS4, for instance, just a random thing, but there's an update or there's a patch or there's a rebuild of a database, also, you know, you kind of have to, like, tell it which Wi-Fi you want, which I'm like, okay. And the, the greatest thing about the Switch and the greatest thing about most Nintendo consoles is that, like, you literally just press a button, and then you're back at the menu, and then you press another button, and you're back in the game. That's it. That's the whole system. Yep. It just works. There's no, there's no front end. There's no bullshit. There's no waiting. It just works. Yeah. You know. And, and, and that's the best. Like I love when things just work. I know it sounds like like pedantic, but I mean I love when things work. Why For can't sure. Everything just do that <laughs> yeah like, yeah like don't get me wrong i'm a big playstation fan i have a ton of games for ps4 right there are experiences that you can't get anywhere else but on ps4 um but i think the cost of having essentially you know a computer that's made for playing games you know have all the features that it has is that things can get a little muddled and what i'm looking for from future consoles is a little bit of what nintendo uh, always seems to inject into their hardware, which is just ease of use. It just, it just works. I don't have to worry about it. Fucking grandma can figure it out. Fucking three year old can figure it out. It's like, it's not like, there's no, you know, you know, there's no artificial challenge to using the device itself. It's just about the games. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. So, uh, definitely check out Super Mario Maker. I think that's out in June. So awesome. I think that, and I think that's going to be something that we'll probably stream on, on the Facebook page. So if you're going to pick it up, go ahead and create some levels and send it to us because we'll play it live. Yes. I want to play your nightmare level, please. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys want to see me rage <laughs> live, <laughs> go ahead and send your hardest level is the challenge. But, uh, last up. Um, we're gonna go ahead and talk about the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, <laughs> yes. So the thing that we've been teased for how many years now? Um, it's been several, several years. Like we're, it looks like we're finally gonna get even more information on it. Um, so they, in the past week, did a Sony State of Play. Uh, of course, they showed off some indie games, some games that look some let look pretty interesting. Um, but they finished off the state of play with showing off a trailer for Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. and 
don't know. There's a couple of things I want to ask you guys on how you felt about it, but just the overall impressions of the trailer is that it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like it looks solid and thankfully we're going to get more information in June because of E3, but I'm going to go ahead and open up the floor. Um, Herb, uh, have you, did you see the trailer? Have you seen I did. Um, it looks like playable advent children with like a kind of like crossed with the battle system of final fantasy 13. And I'm like, okay, it looks fucking fantastic. Um, I think if you're going to remake anything, you know, and I'm just like, I, I just like, I feel this way about a lot of things. I'm like, can we not remake something from like the last generation, please? Cause it literally was like, right. Like that, that console is <laughs> still in front of my TV right now. But for something like Final Fantasy seven, that game changed the entire like future of PlayStation one. And for that matter, RPGs. And it was like, it was like, I remember when the first one came out, it was like, Every answer to whatever you had on N64 or on Saturn or whatever else was out, it was like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But PS1 has Final Fantasy VII, you know? Um, so I think them remaking that is probably a good choice. And I know it doesn't have the same art style, which I think a lot of people found very charming. I liked it. But, I mean, hey, Advent Children is a beautiful movie. And the fact that you get to basically play that now is like... You know, cool. I'm here for it. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and echo a lot of what you just said. Um, it, it does look like playable Advent Children. I was just talking about that movie today, actually, to someone and, um, and, and kind of had a, a bit of a, an urge to go revisit it. Um, because I, I do visual, I love the way it looks visually. It's, yeah. it's a stunning, stunning movie to look at for sure. Um, and it looks like the combat here is super compelling. Um, the little bits that we get, we don't get a lot of it, but, but the bits that we do get look very very good and i'm looking forward to it the mo the one thing i am looking forward to seeing is how they're going to break it up because it, it is supposed to be presented to us in chunks um right. what where they're going to stop and what that's going to look like like um uh, what the monetization will be um because i do wonder if that is and this might be a little pie in the sky but like i do wonder like if if this is successful, this model, this brand, like if this, this going to be something that takes off and not necessarily like the idea of episodic content, cause we spoke about Life is Strange earlier, that's not new, but right. in the sense of like repackaging something from something beloved from long ago and giving it to us in chunks, I do wonder mm. if there will be precedent for that. And I'd hope so because I uh, look back at what they did with Final Fantasy 15. If you played Final Fantasy XV, like, right at launch, you got, like, a certain look or viewpoint of the story. But over time, when they put out the different episodes of, like, what the other characters were doing, um, I didn't have a chance to play the last DLC that dropped, but you're playing as, like, the main villain of the game. Um, so you really get to see his point of view of everything. So I, I honestly won't, I wouldn't mind if they, if they price it correctly, of course. Right. I wouldn't so, mind playing something like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that a little bit because the the main difference is between that and what they're doing with seven is that seven is 
what they're doing with seven is that that's not going to be a complete experience. Fifteen was a complete experience from beginning to end. Like, yeah, you got to see like what other characters were doing at right the with st- add-ons. Exactly. Yeah. Like you get to see what they were doing in the story while, you, but you were still playing. That's that game still had a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and with Final Fantasy seven, they're still splitting this up. Like we're not seeing the end of Cloud's journey, you know, as it was presented. A decade or or so ago. Oh God, more than a decade ago. Oh my God, I'm old. I know. Um, 97, dude. 97, oh, 98. Two yeah. decades. <laughs> um, yeah. So like decades ago, like we're not seeing the full story that we got on three discs or four discs. How many yeah, discs? Four, we're see, we're gonna see like a disc and a half on that first, you know, run. Yeah. So like that to me is the main difference and my and where my main concern comes from. Um, yeah. Because I'm not I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Really, um, you know, and I'm not sure what the development process is at the moment. Like, are they finished with pretty much the whole thing? Or are they just releasing it piecemeal that way? Or are they kind of just working on X two and three? Um, I I don't know. Uh, is that that Square Enix magic? They're doing everything <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I think um, it's going inevitably when you remake something, you're gonna draw lines. So some people are gonna be like, nope, I like the turn base, I like the way it was, and then some people are gonna be like, oh. Oh shit, this plays like Xenoblade. Okay, cool. Let's do it. It looks amazing. Let's go. But like, you know, there's no way to please everybody. And Square, Square Enix for all of their follies, which I would not consider to be many. They, they haven't made like a ton of shit games or anything. They've made a ton of great games. And then, you know, they kind of slowed down in terms of their, I'm not going to say quality. Their quality is always excellent. It's like their, it's almost like the passion, you know, it's like it's almost like the grits, like the details, like the stuff in between, I feel like, has kind of, like, shifted over the years from what it was when they were on PlayStation 1 um, and PS2. But, like, but like at the same time, every time they put out something, it looks amazing. It's got a ton of fan service. They definitely put a lot of thought into it. And I, I really hope that maybe they do something like Final Fantasy XV, uh, the DLC, where it was like, you know, different perspectives as add-ons. It doesn't look like that's what it's going to be, but who knows? They could have, you know, episode two, okay, now you're no longer this per, you're no longer Cloud, you're another person in this party, or something yeah. like that. You know, it could be cool, and I think, um, again, there's, 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 there aren't too many games that I would consider needing to be remade, but if you're going to remake a RPG, and if you're square, like, Final Fantasy VII is your best. Like, that's, they already did Secret of Mana. So, like, this, I mean, it has to happen, you know? Yeah. See, now, I would have, I want to say that I would have loved to see them remake Crisis Core before this coming out. Ah. Crisis, Crisis Core would have been perfect. Crisis Core was cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. My, uh, once my, once my again, hobbies. if we have to, if we have to email somebody or send someone <laughs> this podcast, we're gonna please. write a letter. <laughs> um, my hubby's a big Final Fantasy fan. He plays 14 nonstop. Um, he streams it on our channel and he played 11 before that and he's played every other version since all the way back to at least two. Um, he's a big fan and I know he's excited for it. He loved 15. Um, I think it's gonna make all the right people happy, but yeah, if they split it up in a way that's like, you know, bullshit, you know, that could, that could draw some lines too. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the DLC model, but I don't think it doesn't have a place. And obviously it's a thing that's here to stay in gaming. I just think there are ways to do it that are 
you know, friendly towards the gamers, and then there are ways to do it that make us just feel like chumps. Mm. You know? Yeah. Interesting. See, I'd, I'd hope that Square makes a decision to, you know, go the, go the right path and, you know, I hope they don't put out anything crummy. Like, I hope that we're not going to pay 60 bucks for like part one or 40 bucks yeah. for part one. Cause that, that would be ridiculous. Like, if anything, I'd hope that we pay the 60 bucks, we'll get part one, you know, now. And then once the other parts release, like, right, we it's just guaranteed. Downloaded. Exactly. Yeah. So honestly, I feel like that's the, you know, best way to go yeah. with that. Uh, um, but yeah, all that's up in the air. It's true. And, and you know, um, there are a lot of sort of Final Fantasy spinoffs that I've enjoyed over the years. I liked, I liked Dissidia. I don't think it's like amazing necessarily, and it's not for everyone, and it's a little hard to pick up, but I liked it. And I also liked, uh, Crisis Core, and I also liked Dirge of Cerberus. Like, I like all their spinoffs. I think, um, they have some really interesting ideas, and there's, there's endless possibilities because every Final Fantasy is a different story. Um, and if you've never played 14, the MMO, uh, the amount of, references and fan service and and just like mm. uh the the depth of the final fantasy universe that is playable and appears in that game is is massive so i think i think square enix is definitely you know still writing a very good line they have yet to like i think really completely disappoint anybody they've always made decent games at the very least um and like yeah, I mean, I'm excited. The trailer, the trailer for the new seven looks incredible. It makes me, it makes, like you said, it makes me want to go watch I've Been Children and then go play this when it comes out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, to wrap this up, I know Rod, uh, you saw a article on Kotaku. Well, I did. Yeah, I did. So you want to sort of lead into that and then we could lead that into the topic? Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll mention the article. I do want to say, uh-huh. so I liked the, and this will be my my transition into this because I wanted to say that my initial impression again, I, I like the trailer. You know, I think it looks cool. I'll probably I'll play the game when it comes out. But there was one thing in this trailer that I was not a huge fan of. It, it was the immediately immediately upon seeing it, I was like. I got uncomfortable immediately and I was like, that doesn't sit well with me. And, um, sure enough, it, there was an article written on Kotaku maybe like a day, half a day after uh, it debuted. And, uh, Gita Jackson, she does such fantastic work over at Kotaku. Um, she wrote an article about how fans were upset at the portrayal of Barrett in this trailer. And, as someone, uh, you know, as a person of color, uh, I, I, I was, uh, my, my idea was that this is going to be a new version of this game. Uh, we could update some things. If, if you don't know, if you've never played the original seven, Barrett is a walking stereotype in that game. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know, like, how to, sugarcoat that i mean he just is um it's really really bad and it's it's a no 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 pun intended but it's it's a black mark on the game um and he speaks with like uh, the localization makes it so like he speaks with like a certain um vernacular 
um, he uses a lot of like, uh, Ebonics and like, you know, he's talking like, you know, in a lot of shortened sentences in ways that is very easy to be offensive. Um, right. I, I was hoping in 2019 we would get, uh, we would not get that or anything even remotely close to that. I didn't expect a full change, like a character redesign or something like that. And I don't even think his character is particularly offensive, um, as far as the design goes. But I mean, he does have the kind of the, the stereotypical Japanese tenets of what like they think like black people would typically look like, which are like, you know, large, very muscly, like, um, kind of things like that. But I don't, I don't really have a problem with that so much as, as much of like kind of his persona. Um, this over, like hyper masculine kind of, uh, feel. And in this trailer, again, I'm basing this off of like seconds of this trailer, but we do get a dub and, you know, he is, it's the voice actor actually from, um, if you've ever seen Cowboy Bebop, it's the same guy who does, uh, not Spike, um, Jet. Jet. Oh, he's yeah. awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. Great voice actor. Love his work. I really do. Um, but, you know, I could tell that the director had, the voice director had him kind of go a little too hammy with some of this, the line delivery. Um, I'm not particularly interested in like recreating it, but like if you, if you've seen the trailer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and I, it makes me very uncomfortable and it made me want to kind of bring this up and again, one of the reasons why I like doing this show is because we can kind of talk about what we want. And one of the things that I want to be the goal is to bring light to some of these issues. And it's important. It's important. It's going to, it's always going to be important to me. Um, and I want to make sure that people who are marginalized have a voice and, and a platform to kind of say these things. So, uh, I'm using that time right now to say that that is complete bullshit that we can't get a, a character, a real human character, and, and Gita Jackson goes into this kind of in her article. She puts it so eloquently, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's bullshit that we can't get like a real fully fleshed out, like, uh, a, a black person that you might meet on the street, you know, that isn't like what you might think in your mind automatically. Um, it's borderline, not even borderline, it is offensive to me. Um, and it's, it's disappointing that, that that wasn't taken into consideration and maybe that changes at some point in the game i doubt it i don't think so knowing how the game plays out it's not like barrett undergoes some like you know huge change that would not make that happen but um it really bugged me and i kind of wanted to make the kind of lead that into a bigger conversation on what we think representation mean what it means to us just personally as individuals and how that is currently reflected in the media and and how it makes us feel because right now i don't feel as seen as i want to be in in the space i love gaming i love gaming i've been doing it my entire life um you know I'm not going to sit here, I'm not going to sit up here and say like, you know, oh, I can't relate to like anyone who doesn't look like me. That's not true. I can relate to people who don't look like me. I do it all the time. I have to. But, you know, 90% of the media isn't catered to me. However, um, you know, it is nice to kind of see re- when representation is attained, it is very nice to see. And I, and I do like seeing it. Um, and I just don't think that there's any excuse 
to retain something like what they're doing here in this game uh, in 2019. Uh, Herb, you're the guest. Um, I, you've spoke earlier about, you know, how, the events that you run, you know, promote inclusivity. Um, and I love Absolutely. that. I love that so much. I can't even articulate it. Um, so Thank I you. want, I want to know for you as someone who, you know, you know, you said you have two husbands, like you're in a marginalized group yourself, you know, like okay. what does representation mean to you? So I, I set out with all of these game nights, all these arcades, I set out to not only create a new kind of social gaming experience with with roots in the arcades, but a place where I can kiss my husband if I want while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a place where just because I beat your ass as Street Fighter doesn't mean I'm going to hear fag, you mm-hmm. know? Um I I think it's very important to remember that, especially for anybody queer, that, you know, we are everywhere, just like black people are everywhere, just like Asian people are everywhere, just like whatever, trans people are everywhere. You just don't always see all of us mm-hmm. because we're behind, the, you know, behind the lines. We're um, we're working, like you said earlier, the the, the grunts, so to speak. A lot of people that, you know, it takes a lot of people to make games. And a lot of those people, you might never know who they are or where they fall in. And largely, gaming for a very long time has been a very white or an Asian thing, primarily because a lot of games are made, um, you know, in America, which we have our own set of problems for sure. And in Japan, which, you know, Japan, for all of its... um, for all of its forward thinking, still has a long way to go in terms of inclusion. They're they're very, um, you know, uh, self sufficient and also self interested society. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in a lot of ways, I mean, America, America is kind of like a you know I'm gonna do my thing and get out of the way mm-hmm. kind of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all all of the measures that have been taken by all the wrong people to sort of, uh, uh, how do I put this? To sort of make it easier for a certain kind of person to be seen, to to flourish, to go further, um, it, it, it bleeds into everything we do. It bleeds into gaming for sure. Um, I'm not saying that I need to like be able to choose whether, like, I don't need every game to let me choose whether a character is gay or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. but. Having it become normal for the main character to be black or for, you know, the villain to not be someone that has any sort of flamboyancy to them. Because if you watch all the old Disney movies or a lot of old movies in general, the villain is like always gay, more or less. They don't they don't come out and say it, Mm. but it's always someone a little swishy. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think um I think in large part video games tend to sort of avoid that, although if I'm thinking about that example uh, directly, I mean, let's look at Far Cry 4. Mm-hmm. The the bad guy in that, absolutely gay. Like, come on. Right, he doesn't right. even have to yeah. say it. No question. Right. Right. You know, that's just one example, but that's a that's that wasn't that long ago. They're only on Far Cry 5, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's still there. I was also, 
I was talking about somebody, uh, or some, with someone the other day about a, a Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto, sure, online, you can make whoever you want to make, but Grand Theft Auto is a story about straight men doing straight things, unless mm. you count that Ballad of Gay Tony, uh, DLC. Oh, right, right. Um, but I'm just saying, it's like, you know, when's the point gonna come where that's just not the norm anymore? Like, do we need any more of the Nathan Drakes? Do we need any more Kratos? I mean, mm-hmm. all of all of those those characters are great, but mm-hmm. not only has it been done so many times, it's also been done with a very specific demographic in mind, or for the, or even worse, without everyone else in mind. Like mm-hmm. like not that these people were saying, well, we're gonna make this a white guy because this is how it should be, but saying, well, we're we're gonna make this a white guy because why wouldn't it be? You right. Know? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Which, is, which is just like, come on. There's there's you know there's there's all kinds of people out there in the world, and we all like to play games. And I feel like like you were saying, the power of the vote is in our wallets. Um, a lot of that money, you know, it's not like we're handing it directly to the developers, but mm-hmm we can choose not to support the next Assassin's Creed that has a white dude or the next, you know, um, um, you know, what have you. I mean, even, you know, look at fighting games. I love Street Fighter and I love Guilty Gear and I love Mortal Kombat, but either race isn't implied at all. In the case of, like, Mortal Kombat, I feel like it's very blurry in certain circumstances because a lot of people are covered up. Mm. But like in Street Fighter, I mean, what? There's like two people that aren't white, or maybe four people that aren't white, but right. but everybody kind of looks whitish. And yeah. As a white dude, like whatever, sure. But I don't. As a gay dude, I'm like I I understand that mm. that's like that needs to be updated. Like it is. It's right. 2019. Like we need new game heroes. We need new. Uh, uh, people that we want to be, avatars that we that that look like us, like all of us, and act like us and are like us. You yes. know, yes. Um, there's a game called uh, I'm I'm on a rogue kick lately. There's a game called Rogue Legacy. Um, oh yeah, I love Rogue Legacy, and one of the coolest things, even though granted everybody you play in it is white, uh, one of the coolest things is that when you start the game, you get to pick a random attribute out of three choices. And one of those attributes, for no consequential reason, just because, is if they're gay or not. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's what I'm talking about when I say normalcy. Like, it's right. not it's not a, a, a benefit to your character. It's not a detraction from your character. It's just a fact. It's just who they are. And you just have to accept it because sometimes all three choices, one of the uh, attributes is that they're gay. But it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not like this person's different. It's just like this one happens to be this way. Right. It's just a and, fact. Right. And that normalcy is something that I'm looking for. So to answer the question, really, representation to me in any form of media, I think, is about normalizing the fact that, like you said, not every black dude is like old school Barrett or like new school Barrett. In right. fact, many black people that I have met are not like either of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and for that matter, like not every gay person is a villain not every trans person is also um, easily identified. Not mm-hmm. every person who is intersex or asexual or bisexual gives a fuck about whether anyone else knows that 
nor do they give a fuck when anyone else figures it out. It's not, mm. it's not really something on the table that has to be discussed. It's just normal. It's yeah. just a fact. I would even know? say like the fetishization of like someone who's bisexual, um, especially yeah. women, you know, like that's something I feel like they are, um, and obviously I may be speaking, you know, uh, from an experience obviously that, that I, I, or perspective I don't have, but it, it, from my perspective, it seems like they're, uh, they're objectified very oh, yeah. easily. Um, yeah, and that and, is, and, that's a damn shame. And it happens within the queer community too. You know, there's certain people that are seen as beautiful. And so when, when you've got all these people that don't identify with the straight crowd, then the, um, then it, it kind of breaks down further and further and further. And then you have mm-hmm. like, you know, the gay dudes who only go to this bar or the mm-hmm. lesbians who only feel comfortable at this bar or the people of color who are queer who only feel comfortable in this part of town or whatever. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, we have a long way before we solve anything if, if that's even possible, you know, but, but, no, but I think it's, it's possible. It is. Um, yeah. It's something like, it's sort of like what you said of it being normal, like it being normal for, you know, someone to be straight, someone to be gay is just, like you said, it's a fact yeah. is what it is. And I feel that with like the new generation of kids that are growing up, it's up to us to show them that. And like, and I think we've, uh, we've done like a, I want to say a, a decent, well, I say we do a good job of like the kids nowadays, uh, being more open to that as opposed to as when we were growing up. For sure. Absolutely. And also, um, the, the level and the velocity at which people are checking other people. Like if you say some shit, like you better be ready for that backlash. You better be ready for that. Like 20 minutes right. later, it's on Twitter and everybody's talking about it. Right. You know, um, all these, all these people had to deal with it recently and, and every day it seems like someone else, is kind of fucking up and saying something that, you know, they might have said in their living room, which doesn't make it any better. It or, exactly doesn't. Or, 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 you know, and it's sort of bringing to light, like, a lot of the younger people are like, no, sorry, you're canceled. Anthony Weiner, get out of here. Roseanne, bye. Kanye, right. peace. Like, it ain't, you know, like, like people aren't standing for it anymore. And I hope that, um, I don't, I don't think it's out of the question, but I hope that that, uh, that sort of transitions into gaming sooner than later. Cause it would be nice to play. You know, there, there was this funny meme I saw recently where it was like the cover of, for the past 10 years of gaming, the cover of the game, the game art, um, across a lot of very popular titles. Battlefield, Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, uh, uh, Lost Planet, uh, uh, you know, whatever. And all of them essentially just cause, that's another one. Um, even Red Dead, all of them essentially were whitish dudes in the center of the image with you know with a weapon facing you know away yeah and i'm like that's yeah like not only does that sound kind of boring from a gameplay perspective but i'm like really those are all of our heroes that's all we have that's yeah yeah okay exactly They're, they're all trying to cater to a specific demographic yeah um and and it's a shame for sure. So, you know, you were saying life is strange. Um, and for that matter, you know, infamous, uh, and, uh, and, and several other games have kind of stepped up and made, uh, ladies, you know, the, the focal point. And I think that's wonderful. Or, or for that matter, non-binary people, people where it's right. not, you're not necessarily sure who they are. And that doesn't matter. Exactly. You know, I was going to say shout out to Overwatch. I think maybe a pretty yes. good job. Yes. Overwatch. Yeah. Really good job. 
Overwatch and also, um, you know, as, as, as kidsy as it is in a lot of ways, Splatoon is another game, much like Jet Set Radio, um, and, and Overwatch really. They're, they're all associated-ish kind of games. They're all very inclusive. They're all like, all kinds of people are playing this not only in real life, but in the game, all the characters, are, you know, are, are, it's a mixed bag. It's a melting pot, just like all of our major cities are, just like all the countries in the world are. You know? Yeah, that goes back to the motif that the developers have talked about all the time. Uh, the director of Overwatch, Jeff Kaplan, he's, he's spoken uh, publicly about, like, how he wants Overwatch to be, like, this uh, narratively, like, this 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 beacon of hope for the future. Um, yeah. It's it's one reason that I have been attracted to the series. I've I've... I literally played Overwatch before I hopped on this podcast. Like I, I have, I'm a consistent player of cool. Overwatch, and it's something that I, I go back to very, very, very often because of the characters um, and and the personalities and the different types. Like you just said, like the melting pot of yeah. the roster is what attracts me to that game. For sure. Um, I think, I think we have a long way to go, but more than ever. You know, I, I remember, okay, okay, so let's talk about inclusion. If we're talking mm-hmm. about inclusion, I have to talk about Metroid because in the 80s, when Metroid dropped, not only was it a new sort of game type in the sense of being yeah. in open world, but even in the manual, they were telling people he, yeah. Him. And so it was like this whole mindfuck of like, you think you know your heroes, but once you finish this, finish this game, in a in a timely fashion, which essentially birthed speedrunning, um, it 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 was like whoa 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 that was a chick this whole time yeah you know it was like mind blown and even today people that come to events people that aren't necessarily heavy you know hardcore gamers or anything a lot of casual folks some people still now in Smash still think Samus. Is a guy. It was a guy, yeah. And I have to be like, no, no, no. You see, right next to Samus, there's zero suit Samus. Yeah, that's Samus without the suit. And they're like, yeah. oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, and then I think about games like uh, Beyond Good and Evil. That was one of the first yes. games of that generation where I was like, this game is badass. And I, I for the for the first time, I think in a long time in gaming, I wanted to be like her, mm-hmm. which is something you just don't. You don't hear those words in that order very often. Like not at all. I yeah. play a game and it's like I want to be like her. Like she's yeah. that cool, you know? Yeah. And I just I just hope we see more of that. I hope it keeps going. Um, That's such a good point. That's such a great point because like I think the last time, I think recently, if we're going to use recent examples, um yeah. I would say Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. the perfect was, example. Yes. I was going to say that and uh the Uncharted um, oh, the Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah. And really, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, for lack of like, for for however you want to, you know, view this game, because a lot of people have different, you know, different opinions on it. But The Last of Us is another kind of strong example of oh, like yeah. girls can do it too. Oh, absolutely, you know? especially yeah. the Left Behind DLC for sure. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I love these games that display. I mean, Life is Strange again. One um, displays these strong female relationships uh, that yeah. aren't centered around men, um, and I think that's extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, and something I hope to see more of. And you know what's funny is that whenever I talk to people about Mass Effect, in my mind, I've always played as Fem uh, Shep. 
Right. So, <laughs> so, so in my mind, like if you could, you know, make more games like that where, you know, you could have a female character that's like a strong character that could, yeah. you know, carry the, carry the role. Like that, you know, it, it works there. Why not, you know, make your games like that? Right. It's, why not? Why not have the choice always? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I, I can hear, I can already hear a bunch of old timer game devs being like, Oh my God, we have to make a version for every per, yes. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> that's what it is. It's 2019. Yeah. Everybody needs to be included because right now, you know, without going too far into it, of course, everybody already knows the state of this country. But without, you know, without naming anybody, we're in a position right now where now almost, almost, I'm going to say more than ever, if you look at the history of America, it, it, we have so much freedom and so much power right now to put ourselves in the positions that we want. Um, and day by day, the chances of that, uh, you know, fluctuate. And so now is sort of the time, like, you know, Get out there. Don't put your money on something that's not pushing that. Um, you know, queer game developers, you know, people of color who develop games, you know, please, like, keep going. I will throw my money at you. Why not? Mm-hmm. Recently, I played a, in a, an indie game called Momodora where the entire cast is female. Oh, um, wow. And it's a Metroidvania. It's all hand-drawn animated pixels. It's incredible. And it's it's great. I, I 100%ed it. I, New Game Plus and everything. Entire female cast, all the bosses, everybody. It's not about men, period. And I'm like, wow, I, this, this is great. I want to play more of this, you know? Wow. And, and those are the type of games, like, I'm, 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 I'm upset right now that I've never heard of that game. Momodora like, is awesome. It's on PS4, it's on Switch, it's on everything, and it's under 10 bucks. Wow. It's a, it's another game on the Switch that I was looking to pick up where it's sort of like that, where it's, uh, it's like a female cast and it's sort of like, it sort of gives off like a magical girl type of vibe. Mm-hmm. Okay. But like it's top down sort of like old school Zelda. Oh, like you're it's... talking about, uh, uh, Kamiko. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Kamiko is five bucks. It is, it is like linked to the past, but for, for now, for like a new generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't call it, you know, necessarily as epic as Zelda because Zelda's Zelda, but like, but like, yeah, exactly. Female cast, that's a step in the right direction. That's the kind of stuff I want to see, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's a couple, there, there's a game, there's a couple, I, you know, Steam has, has like an insane library of games and there's lots of indie games that don't really get a lot of attention that push uh, you know, gender roles and orientation and, and non-binary, things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I just wish, I just wish those were as popular as, you know, the next COD or, or, you know, the next right. expansion to Path of Exile, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Like, like there's all these great games now, but I'm like, I'm like, okay, great. Keep making good games. Just get a, get a person of color in there, get somebody queer in there, mm-hmm. get a PR person on the same page and just, you know, Swap out a couple pallets, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, can we, can we move, you know, towards, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I was, and I was gonna say, and we're, when we're creating these characters, I'd like to have a couple of different hairstyles. I'm tired of oh generic Astro number one. <laughs> You're right. You're right, right. Like, yeah. I'm playing, I'm playing through, um, I played through, oh, not played through, but I've been playing Dragon's Dogma again on the Switch. Yeah, and. Cool. I tried to create myself, but, you know, I was lacking on some of the hairstyles, so right. I just decided to go with dreads, because that's the closest I could go with, but, right. um, speaking about, like, um, you know, voting with your money, and sort of taking a stand against things, I know, um, 
maybe, I want to say maybe close to a year ago on one of the older podcasts, uh, we talked about a game called, uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Yeah. And well, well, we sort of talked about it. Yeah. We talked around it. We did. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Go. Ahead. Uh, do you want to give like the run? No, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So the the gist behind that, like you said, like we we talked of we t- only talked to the point that um the the like I guess the main game developer, like the guy that's you know running the company, he decided to not include any characters of color because he believed they didn't exist in medieval time. Wow, which is factually incorrect. So yeah, I mean, I mean, like you know, the, what 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 does he think happened? <laughs> yeah, like, like what is? I, I would love to see his view of history. You know, wow. So yeah, so I mean, that was just like a tip of the iceberg of like numerous things that he's gone on a record of saying. So you know, we just decided to sort of like put that dis- disclaimer on why we weren't gonna cover the game and everything like that, and why we weren't really gonna support it. So. Um, like if you hear things like that, you know, use whatever platform you have, whether it be on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or just word of mouth, like yeah. let people know about things like that. Cause a lot, cause I, I went off and like, I told, uh, coworkers about that and the coworker that I actually, um, talked to about it, he actually picked it up before I told him, he was like, wow, like that's actually pretty scummy. And I sort of don't feel like playing this game anymore. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's all about letting people know, and and that's sort of like what we like to do on this podcast, is sort of to, you know, open up that world so that normal people could know of these things. Right, drop not, the pin, yeah. Yeah, and then not blindly, you know, throwing their money at developers that aren't really going to, you know, invest back into the communities that's giving them, giving them the money. For sure. So, it's, uh, like we said, uh, just a whole roundabout, like, it's it's all about you know, growing up and like not pretty much not putting up with the things that we put up with the past. Like, let's go ahead and take a stand. Let's go yeah. ahead and, uh, you know, told, you know, the publishers enough is enough. Like we don't want these half baked games. We don't, yeah. you know, we're not going to, you know, stand for, you know, our you know characters not looking like us anymore. Like it's yeah. just, it's about time we, you know, we took a stand. Yeah, for sure. And we got to, it's, it's hard to kind of get everybody on that page, and it's also, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I, I love video games, but video games are, at the end of the day, a product. Um, and so, you know, yeah, you vote with your money, and and there's all this pressure. There's always been this pressure in society, right? But, like, there is pressure to keep current, to get all the games, to have everything day one. And I think that that, to be honest, and this might sound like blasphemy, but I think that is sort of uh, it's it's kind of like us shooting ourselves in the foot because we're we're sort of like we're sacrificing um things like inclusion, things like quality, things like assurance, um all things that mind you in the 80s are exactly why there was a video game crash and why Nintendo mm-hmm. had to come in and save that shit was because you know Atari at the time was kind of letting people make whatever without any sort of guidelines. And some of them were not only just shitty games, but, like, you could tell that there was no... The word is regulation. And I think for regulation to to speak to people of color, to queer people, to anybody who is not the quote-unquote norm, right. um, that takes... It takes a lot more than just 
you know, a few people saying, I'm not going to buy this. It, it takes kind of like a, almost like a societal shift. And for that yeah, matter, a movement. Yeah, a movement. Exactly. And so, you know, at the very least, I, I, one of my goals for my game nights is to make sure everyone feels welcome and included. And I hope, you know, 10, 20 years from now or something, people remember, you know, oh, we went to Press Star, oh, we went to Warp Zone, whatever, and remember, like, hey, hey, I don't know about you, but I remember every kind of person being there. You right. know what I mean? Um, I, I hope somebody runs with that and does something else and turns it up even more. That's the goal, really. Because, yeah. um, you know, I loved going to arcades as a kid, but there were many times where, you know, if you're if you're not cool or if you're not, you know, one of these people you don't feel like you belong. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, that, that has to be stamped out. And I, and I feel like that's what makes your events so is it powerful is that, you know, you can have someone go to one of your events and sort of see how easy it is to sort of like, you know, meet a new person, find out, you know, what's similar and just kick back and just, you know, have fun as opposed to going to like other events where it's more catered towards a certain crowd and it's just yeah. uncomfortable. For sure. And, and, you know, for that matter, uh, I, and I wanted to point this out, um, inclusion kind of, it, it hits you on a bunch of levels. It's not just race or orientation. It's also like the kind of gamer that you are. Yeah. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm all about that CBS2, Guilty Gear, Third Strike, Smash, Mortal Kombat. Sure. Whatever. Um, Tekken, absolutely. But like, not everybody gives a shit about fighting games. Right. And I feel like it's important when you have a gaming space to include all kinds of people. I'm I'm not gonna say that there aren't girl gamers because there's definitely girl gamers. Oh hell but, yeah! But primarily, in my mm -hmm. experience, like you know, like like okay, let's just you know, let's just generalize here. Dude bringing his girlfriend to a game night, she is not trying to play Smash Brothers. Okay. She is trying to play Sonic and Mario and Spyro and Mario Kart. And that's not every girl gamer. I'm not going to say that. I'm just saying, like, you need to have a little bit for everybody. Somebody wants to play Tetris. Somebody wants to play N64. Somebody wants to play the brand newest whatever fighting shooter, whatever. Somebody just wants to sit in the corner and play Fortnite. You know, it's like, I think it's it's very important to to make gaming events not only inclusive to the kind of people, but the kind of gamer as well. Um, if you go to an esports thing, that's very much for one kind of person. If you go to a convention, a lot of the time, that's for maybe two or three kinds of people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I feel like it, it can be more than that. It can be bigger than that. Um, mm -hmm. so that, I just wanted to point that out. I, I feel like there's, there's way too many times I've gone to, uh, other gaming events and not necessarily in Atlanta, but wherever I moved all over the U S you know, there's, there's gaming spots everywhere. And it's either like, okay, this is a retro spot, or this is a fighting spot, or this is right. a, a, a LAN PC spot, or this is a Smash spot. And I'm like, yeah. that's great, absolutely. But there also needs to be a spot for all those people to kick it with each other. Because exactly. if you only hang out with your kind of gamer, or for that matter, your kind of people, you know, I mean, like, it's just... That's not really further. That's not really taking us any further. Yeah are, yeah. are you really like utilizing the 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 nature of why you're there in the first place, which is to right. have everybody around you and experience different things? Like, yes. yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I, that that clicks perfectly for me. Cool. And yeah. for that matter, I mean, I'm I'm joking here, but I just have to point out that when you go to a thing that is only Smash Brothers, like 
it can get a little smelly. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I love Smash Brothers. Don't get me wrong. But, dude, like, that community has, you know, has some kinks to work out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're, I've heard some things. I've heard some things. <laughs> I've heard some things and I've smelt some things. Yes, yes, exactly. Right, and I, and I've seen some things and some people who have been there day in and day out, and when I come back, they are still in that same exact chair, and, oh, and, and, and not a shower or a wet nap has been applied. Like, oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, gotta, gotta do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, I feel like it's it's just it's just important to have the space for everyone. Um, every every uh, kind of gamer and every kind of person is, of course, you know, inclined to to uh, spend time or space around their own kind, so to speak. But it's up to us individually. It's up to all of us to sort of break that. Um, and and not pay attention to the examples that we've been given because we've been given a bunch of shit examples. We've been given some good ones, but mm-hmm. in general, you know, mainstream society is very much like, oh, oh, so this dude that's buying, you know, this medicine on TV, oh, he's black, so of course his wife right. is also black, and of course their kids are also black, mm-hmm. you know, or or whatever it is. Like like it's only you know they always make it seem like, you know, all these people only stick to their own kind, right. as if all gay people meet somewhere in some town hall underground and we all just hang. It's like that's not how it is, dude. We're 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 that dude delivering, you know, your UPS box. We're that person sitting in the House of Representatives. We're that we're that doctor at, you know, wherever who just sewed you up. Like it's exactly. we're all over the place, you know? Exactly. So I wanna I wanna pose this question to sort of like uh, I guess to, to pull everything back home to wrap everything up, but I always like asking, uh, especially in discussions like this, like what would you suggest or impose to like what, what can fix this? Like, and I feel like you've sort of already uh, answered that with like you know with like, events that you you run, but like you know in in your opinion, what can we do? And, you know, small steps that could lead to the bigger steps to sort of fix this issue. So. You know, um, I'm from Miami originally, Miami, Florida. Um, and in Miami, I uh, uh, physically, visually, aesthetically was the minority. Um, my mom is from Puerto Rico, uh, born and raised. And, you know, but I, I, I don't look Puerto Rican, you know. And so it, it, it just kind of like it just never necessarily came up in a place like Miami or for that matter, like New York. Depending on where you live, of course. But in most major cities, if you grow up in the in the in the heart of the city, if you grow up in the bulk of the city, you're just around all kinds of people, and that's just it. Like that's just life. That's just reality. There's no there's no there was no thought like, oh, there's a bunch of white people living out in the you know in the sticks that are plotting against everybody else. Like, you know that that was kind of a shock to me. Uh, you know that was part of that was part of the privilege that I had to understand was when I moved elsewhere outside of Miami, and it wasn't so. Uh, it wasn't so mixed. It wasn't so, um, friendly, you know? So I think part of moving past things like this and, and, and overcoming them is like, you know, make friends with someone different. Mm-hmm. Um, go up to someone at an event, not necessarily one of mine. Go up to someone wherever, you know, as long as it's cool, as long as, you know, it's, it's appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and make a friend. And for that matter, if you're at a gaming event, if it's one of mine or any gaming event, try different games, and you might be surprised who you meet who's playing them. Right. You know? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Right, you got any got any uh input? What you what you thinking? Yeah, I I'm going to be really similar actually to her. Like I mean, I I'll say look, having these conversations is is really important. Um yes. I I love I personally love having these conversations. Um, I think we need to continue doing this and don't let up. Like, no matter how, you know, I know sometimes it gets, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm talking to myself when I'm saying this, but like, you know, when it feels like everything is hopeless, like that is when you have to, that is when you especially have to keep going. Um, because sometimes it's so easy to get, disenfranchised and uh disgruntled and frustrated and oh shit it's never going to change yeah. um but you have to keep going and i am going and i will continue to have these conversations um on the show off the show um personally uh, her makes a great point like you know go out make friends that's exactly what like i try to do all the time um so yeah that's fantastic advice and and i i would second that for sure cool nice nice so, uh, so with that, that's another episode. That is episode 12. Should I play Ooh. that? So with that, we're going to go ahead and roll out the red carpet. Her, man, <laughs> what an episode. This is a, I want to say by far, this has been one of like my most favorite episodes. Like I wasn't, I, I wasn't going <laughs> to say anything like on air, but, uh, yeah. I, think so. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, um, it's really nice to connect with other gamers. If, if nothing else, doing what I do, and for that matter, streaming on Twitch has brought me a lot closer to what I imagined when I was younger, sitting in my room playing Sega Genesis, you know, by myself, right? Or maybe a friend over here and there, but I didn't really socially blossom until later, you know, and, and having, having, the community kind of come out of the woodwork and being able to be a part of that is something I'm very grateful for. Um, I'm really glad that we talked and you wanted to have me on your podcast. I've had a great time. Thank you all so much. Um, I can't wait for y'all to post it so I can repost it because I'm proud of this. It's cool. Thank you. Thank you. you. So anything uh, else you want to shout out? Uh, Um, So uh, Game Master Herb on Instagram is my main like spot that's the main that's that's where everything's going down um every single monday with controller eyes is press start atl it's amazing come out to it it's at the monday night garage every single tuesday is pines and play atl at the georgia beer garden and i have some more events coming up soon um i just you know i just want to say thank you to my partners for supporting me thank you to y'all for this podcast and thank you to atlanta for gaming and wanting to game and, you know, having the uh, <laughs> having the balls, shall we say, to <laughs> come out on a weeknight at various bars to play video games with me and all of our friends. You know, it takes a lot. <laughs> it does. And then, like, if you guys are listening and you guys are, like, you know, thinking about it, like, just go out and do it. Like, you'll be amazed at how, like, chill everyone is at these events. Um, just the vibe is something that like, uh, like I'll post it on Instagram and I'm getting people to hit me up saying, yo, Chris, where you at? How come you didn't invite me? Like people want to come out and just chill with cool people, uh, come out to these events there. And like the way, uh, Herb sets everything up, like he said, you don't have to be the best at Smash Brothers. You don't have to be the best at, you know, Street Fighter. If you like playing Spyro, if you like playing Sonic, like 
there's a game here for you. There's also like card games. That's something else that I've done before. Is like I bought like Uno and played Uno with random people before, and that's yeah one of the best games of uh, Uno I've ever played. Oh yeah, because people, everyone has a different rule set on. Oh yeah, Uno. like to the <laughs> it point gets, it gets dirty <laughs> to the point where like actual Uno had to go on Twitter and say, hey, you can't stack a plus two on a plus four. It doesn't work that way. Right. And people still don't believe it. They're like, no, you're wrong. Yeah, um, and, and just to be clear, like, I've been collecting video games for a very long time, all the way back to Atari. Um, I have just about anything you might want to play, literally Atari to Switch, um, most games. And if I don't have it, I will soon. That's, that's like the motto. Um, <laughs> you know, chess and, uh, and board games and cards and dominoes, absolutely. Um, and on Monday, we have anime going. On Tuesday, we have a huge selection of beer that's all local. You know, um, there's artists that come out. There's, uh, there's, you know, it, it's, it's a whole, it's a community. It's a movement. It's, it's like, it's like, hey, let's all get together and do the things we love and make places we actually want to go hang out, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's what I stand for. That's, that's where I'm at. Thank you all. All right. So with that, it's another episode and, if you haven't listened to the podcast or made it this far before, this is how I like to close out the show. But guys, go ahead and drink more water, moisturize your ankles, take your vitamins, eat your greens, don't sweat the small stuff. You gotta read more, keep people around you that will keep the truth, because those are the real ones. Be humble, commit to things, your greatest struggles are your greatest lessons, and text your friends that you haven't talked to in a while. You know, just catch up. You never know what's going on with them. But last but not least, everybody, stay beastly. Peace out. Love you guys. <laughs>